everybody Hello. welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for tuesday december december 1st 2020 that's ian ferguson that's me my partner i'm pat country one of your party hosts for this podcast on this show today we'll be talking about talking about uh super nintendo world set to open with an update on it emulation on the new xbox series s slash x Ian, what's going on with the poly makeup? Zelda, CDI in the news, and other other goodness. Um, Ian, how was your weekend? How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good. I uh, made a lot of food. The only thing I didn't get on the table that I wanted to make was biscuits, and that's because I don't have a big enough oven to get everything done that I want to get done. If I ever get a house... I'm going to have a very big kitchen. Why don't you come over and cook? You can use my kitchen. Big kitchen. That's what I want. My, my, my Mikasa Sukasa. I want my kitchen. I want to be able to live in my kitchen. When I'm not cooking in my kitchen, I want to be able to pop down a, a beach chair and enjoy the ambiance of my kitchen. All, all the warmth and the smells. And just yeah. Seep in it. No place I'd rather be. What kind of sides did you have? I did uh, sweet potatoes. Oh, nice. I did uh, three cheese mac and cheese. Oh, okay. Uh, with Gruyere, uh, cheddar, and smoked gouda. I always like putting smoked gouda in there. That I did amazing. I did um, bacon braised green beans uh, with bacon and shallots, and then I braised them in chicken stock. Those were really good. Wow, I don't think I've ever had something like that before. And then I did uh, basic ass mashed potatoes. Basic ass mashed potatoes. Basic ass mashed potatoes, and I did apple crisp. That sounds amazing, Ian. Thank you. What did you do? Uh, I went to Frank's. It was a, it was a it was a small thing, but uh, real quick, I think you mentioned last week you were going to bring me some of the sides. I was going to, uh, but they all ended up going to, mm-hmm. and I don't want any shit for this. They all ended up going to the assisted living home that Bonnie's uncle works at. Okay, then I can't complain. Too yeah. Much. Yeah, no, a- we really had like nothing left over. We did pretty well. I I thought I was cooking a lot, but it it all basically got used up. And then thanks the- for ruining the joke premise. And I feel bad. That's all right. Uh, and then, <laughs> that's all right. And then that's um, I ended up using the uh, the carcass to make turkey stock last night for soup. How do you make stock? You just take the t- bones and all the them? skin and all that shit, and you just. I mean, you can do it in a slow cooker. You can do it in a big stock pot on a stove. Um, I use the pressure cooker, and you just load up the pressure cooker with the carcass, and you pack in all of your vegetable scraps. Scraps? Yeah, no, I mean, when you're making stock, when you're cooking a kitchen, if you get into making stock, you save everything. The tops from onions, the seeds from um, green peppers. It doesn't matter what it is, just throw it in there, cover it with water, add some herbs, and you pressure cook it for like two hours, and you get like a super rich broth. Oh, then you can save it and use it for the future. Yep, the future. I freeze it in uh, Gatorade <clears throat> bottles. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went to Frank's. Frank, we, it was just me and him um, playing it safe. Um, he made a smaller turkey, like nine pounds. It was enough for just the two of us. Breast um, uh, only or nine pounds with the legs? Too? Oh, full turkey. Full turkey. Um, so we had a little bit of dark meat. We both got we both got a pretty pretty decent size you know, drumstick and you know, nice. a wing. 
and um, mashed potato, red mashed potatoes, which was nice. Came out, it came out all right. I, I don't like mashed potatoes as much as I used to. Um, and then salad, I made a salad, and then um, stuffing. It was simple. It was like a small one, you know. Sure. And, but Frank makes a mean sweet potato pie, a really good sweet potato pie. He makes. Nice. So that was that, and I bought an apple pie at Sprouts. Sprouts has every type of pie, but then they're good. I got the non-sugar added apple pie. You don't, you don't need to add sugar to an apple pie. It's already sweet with the stuff in there. Um, but I got an apple pie. I almost bought the pecan. I was like, ah, pecan, sweet potatoes. That's this. That's sort of that same side of the family. So one's good enough. We got the. Apple. I love pecan pie. I haven't had it in so long. And we watched. Um, they're like five bucks only. The, the pies at Sprouts. I don't know how they make money on them. Uh, for like a full pie. They, Seems like they, a loss leader to they, me. They had berry, blueberry, um, peach, apple. Um, pumpkin and pecan. They had like nine pies. They had everything. I'm looking at this like, yeah, how are they making money on this? I mean, I'm sure they are, because but they had to bake all that shit like fresh. That's not... Anyway. Sorry, I'm fucking starving. Um, what was I saying? Oh, and we watched the, uh, the Cowboys get slaughtered by the Washington football team, so that was a good Super Bowl. Super Bowl was a good, a good Thanksgiving football. Nice. And you always see the Cowboys lose. I always like fun. to see the Cowboys Giants lose. in first place, baby. The NFC is at four and seven, baby. They're going to run away with the NFC East. It's fantastic. So, so speaking of uh, food and, and, and things of that nature, it's been it's been rough uh, this year for many Americans because of uh, COVID. People are out of work. People have their hours cut. Uh, uh, schools are closed, and because of that, unfortunately, some Americans are going hungry this year. I don't know if you've seen the news. There's been like f- like food lines, people in cars. I'm like, I've never seen this before in my in my yeah. life. It's it's been nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yep, it's not a great time for America uh, this year. I mean, this, like like Pat said, problems all over. But um, we would like to do something about the um, food shortages. So, NES Marathon is coming back to benefit Feeding America Saturday, December twelfth. Sooner than you would think. Ten a.m. Pacific. We're Slapping gonna, it together. We're gonna slap this together. Well, like 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 Ian's. Uh, Penis on an Atari VCS. We're slapping it. Wow. All we're right. Slapping it on. I can talk going. about my penis. You can't talk about my penis. Um, I decide what I'm doing. <laughs> Never mind. So, yes. NESMarathon.com. <laughs> Marathon. I don't know why I went there. I was going to slap in something. Slap it. So, so, we figured we'll, we'll do a, might be a smaller marathon. May not be 24 hours, but we're going to do something. So, right now, it, it's, it's, it's uh, powered by Tiltify, which is uh, it's something new that, uh, my pal Andre told me about uh, it's built into Twitch. You can go to the page, and even on that day, uh, you can just watch the stream on that page on Tiltify, which is now redirected from nesmarathon.com, and leave comments there. And we're going to have the same thing where you, uh, if you want to see us play a game, the, the, the incentives there with the amount when you donate, everything's tax deductible. It's a five hundred one c. We don't see the money like every year when we do the marathons. We don't we don't ever get the money ourselves. We don't handle it. It goes right to the charity. Um, and then we'll have we have sponsorships available as well, like past years, with yep. our famous our famous live reads, Ian, and and your and your logo emblazoned during the marathon. And the marathon gets a decent amount of viewers. It gets a decent amount of viewers. It sure does. Uh, last year, year and a half ago, I think I think we when they featured it on Twitch's page, it was thousands at, at a time were watching. Yeah, well, I think I think when Alex was playing that awful uh, Color Dreams uh, Escape from Atlantis game. That's when it that that was the peak. That was one That's of the it. most fun times I had last year during that that marathon. Was trying to play that damn game. 
Escape from Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Did we actually escape from Atlantis? I think we almost got. We there. got very, very close. We got to the bridge. I think we fi- we figured out how to get through many, many scenes of pain, but we did not finish it. Yeah, so it'll be likely just you know Ian and me, like old school NES marathon, hanging out with COVID. It's kind of harder for people to travel and putting people at risk. It's like, frankly, well, we don't need to wear down our immune systems that much. No. No, and I'd like my, my plumbing to be intact this year as well. That'd be nice as well. That's, yeah. like, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. <laughs> Pat can save some money on that this year. But anyway, go to, go to uh, nesmarathon.com. We'll have, we'll have guests uh, maybe pop in on it for a chat as well, maybe a cameo or two. It, it, it'll be a thing. So check it out. We appreciate it. It's for a good cause for Feeding America. All right, Ian. Uh, Yuri Geller was in the news connected to Nintendo. Which I, I didn't think this was going to be a thing. Or... So I never knew about this in the first place. I guess I just missed it. This seems like something I would have known. But uh, Yuri Geller, the magician uh, who uh, is illusionist, known, illusionist who is known for bending spoons and stuff like that, allegedly, uh, apparently um, had a tiff with Nintendo in I was close to I think it was two thousand uh over what he said was his likeness being used uh, appropriated for cadabra so the um japanese version of uh cadabra's uh, name i believe is Yungler, uh which is obviously a play on yuri geller uh he's holding a spoon in his hand and Yuri Geller uh, took issue with that and then said that the stars and, and the lightning on Kadabra uh, made him an occult and perhaps Nazi figure. And I don't know, just basically had a real normal one over, you know, uh, being referenced on a kid's, you know, uh, game. Um, so Nintendo stopped printing Kadabra uh, on any of the uh, trading cards. So he was like a, po- a Pokemon, but not in the, on the, in the sets. Going forward, yeah, not in the card game. Okay. Uh, after I can't, I can't remember what the last set was to have him. But going forward from that point, uh, there, yeah, it, he was no longer in there. Um, so uh, I don't know. He wh- sued Nintendo. Yeah. So uh, due to the tra- in an email he he wrote to uh, the gamer, uh, he wrote that due to the tremendous volume of emails I am still getting begging me to allow Nintendo to bring back Kadabra Youngler, I sent a letter to the chairman of Nintendo giving them permission to relaunch the Yuri Geller Kadabra Youngler worldwide. Uh, yeah. And he was in another statement he was referring to it. I am excited to see my my Kadabra card printed again. He's very much like. I don't know, this guy sounds like a fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, people have alleged that he's just, you know, he's not really doing this shit, obviously. Well, of course not. He's not bending <laughs> a fucking spoon with his mind. It's not a thing. Yeah. Um, but I haven't heard of Yuri Gelli- Ger- Geller in like 15, 20 years. So just something to get your name back in the news, yeah. I guess, because you're forgotten about. You're not on Johnny Carson anymore trying to pull this try to pull this bullshit so you know why not just do this and it worked here we are talking about Yuri Geller in a not particularly fantastic light and uh people will forget about you again soon if I was Nintendo I would have said okay we're gonna change we're gonna change the name and we can have a Pokemon with a fucking spoon you don't own that right come after us if you want we'll just fucking crush you in court Nintendo was probably just like you know we're not gonna deal with this lunatic I guess so it's not it's not worth it it's like one character out of whatever fucking 200 Pokemon they have or whatever it's like who cares you know, it's, let's, we're, we're going to just deal with it. So, um, is he still doing this shit? Is he still torn, Yuri Geller? You really think there's only 200 Pokemon? I, I, I don't know, at least. What is there, like 500? Three, I don't know. 
But look like I'm not a Pokemon person. It was like 897 or something like that at this point. That's enough. I, I, I think that's enough. There's a lot of. Does Pokemon. that include the transformations, or is that just the? No, that includes base. everything. Every every version. Oh, so there's less than that then, because each one has what three or two forms. They're all considered individual Pokemon. Oh, that was closer to being correct. There's like 300 Pokemon then. If each one has three forms, right? I'm right about this. Oh, Pat, you're not going to be right about this. Not in the It's not a different sense. Pokemon if it's a different <laughs> it, it, form. It is a different Pokemon. It's like a Transformer. All right. Optimus Prime isn't both a robot. I mean, you know, he's, he's one Transformer. He's not two, right? Is that, is it, they're like Transformers, aren't they? Kind of? Not really. They molt? They molt. They molt. <laughs> they molt. They molt. Yes, okay. All right. They evolve. That, that's, that's, the most imp- that's, that's the most famous part of Pokemon. It's the, the molting. Molt. Yes. <laughs> what the molting? Okay, Yuri Geller... I'm trying to see. Oh, there's a laundry list of him in litigation with. with oh, from what know. I've heard, he's 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 very litigious. He considered a suit against IKEA over a furniture line featuring bent legs that was called the Yuri line. U R I really considered it. Well, that Jesus Christ, it's gonna come after us. Um, here's it. Oh, he sued Nintendo for sixty million pounds. Sixty million pounds. It was. Wow. Uh, how did that end up here? Gary Geller, my respect for you is bent like a spoon that you don't own. He said they stole my identity by using my name and my signature. His identity was stolen by a cartoon character. Holding a spoon. Yes. So they just... Uh, they, they said it would, oh, it would not be used until an agreement was reached. So they never reached an agreement. It's, yeah. They were like, fuck you. We're not paying you any money. Yeah. Probably like, we're not going to pay you anything. So now he's probably realizing they're not going to pay me anything. I'm getting older. I'm in my 70s now. I might as well just let him use it. People don't like me. And, uh, you know, I I haven't been trying to bend spoons in a while. Um, There you go, Yuri Geller. There you go. I saw saw one person do the number trick in an audience. It was uh, one of the more famous ones that was... um, What the hell? They got the glasses. I don't know his name. But it worked for the crowd. The crowd guessed the number. I mean, he guessed the crowd's number they were thinking of. So there's something to some. That's different, though. The whole mind thing's different than bending spoons. It's literally just like, don't watch or I'm going to hit it real quick. And then I bent the spoon. Like, that's. There's, there's something to the mind tricks, but there's nothing to spoon bending at all. I'll go on record and say that. All right. Uh, Counter Strike match fixing news, Ian. Hmm. <laughs> well. We always knew this was a, you know, this was a thing. We, we, we reported on a couple of things where players getting banned for throwing games uh, in esports or betting on this. Uh, this was a PC Gamer magazine. Aussie Counter-Strike player opens up about match fixing. fixing. I've been offered like, two, like $2,000 a match to throw. Um, this comes through an episode of ABC's uh, background briefing podcast diving into the troubling rise of esports match fixing. Fixing. Spe- speaking to the Esports Integrity Commission, I didn't know there was one, pro players in Victoria Police, the show is a good half-hour dig into how susceptible the scene has been to exploitation in recent years. Notably, the show includes a snippet from Rooster 2 player Joshua J.H.D. Ho Divine, Half Divine, that's his name, one of several players banned from competitive CSGO for betting on pro games. I might have reported on that like a year ago. Yeah. Too. J.H.D. noted that he had been given several opportunities to go a step further, with parties offering serious sums of money to get him to fix, fix matches. So the thing about this is, like, this has been, you know, this is like the mob used to do this with college sports kids. They used to do this with some pros, and it was obviously boxers. Right? Hey, we're, we're betting a ton of money on you to lose, so lose. This isn't new. It's not, it's not, um, it's not shocking this would happen with esports. It wouldn't. The, the big difference now is that 
these are like a lot of these people are playing are young adults and kids that are playing. That'll be that'll be like, oh yeah, I'll take money to throw a, a crappy match because these these kids don't have the money that you can't you can't approach a pro athlete to throw a match. They'll be like, I'm I'm a millionaire already. Like I wouldn't throw away. Right. But for someone who doesn't have the money, they might do that. Maybe or they or they don't have the the moral fiber to say no. You know this is bullshit. You know if you're if you're a pro athlete, you've been working at that sport for like your whole entire life, twenty five years. You're not going to throw that away for some quick monetary game. But if you're playing some crappy video game, you might. Who cares? Eh, give me five grand. I'll throw a match. I don't care. You know, no one's going to know. So, not shocked. I, I can't believe people bet on this shit. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a, it doesn't seem like a, a a particularly safe arena to be making bets in. You know, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of oversight on that. It's too new, and like I said, like this is it's weird to do that. Rather, rather bet on uh, elections. There you go. That's, that's a safer bet here. You're going to be jonesing for that for the next four years. Uh, yes, because of the amount of money that's going to be made. Uh, the ESIC suggests that around 100, around 100 match-fixing, cheating, other corruption allegations, they, they receive each day, each day, not year, each day, each day. That's what they receive. Jeez Louise. Yeah. That's uh, problematic. Yeah, I just too young of a too young of a thing with not enough regulation in place. And it's not it seem safe. From the things I see, it's not solving yet a lot of these things anyway. A lot of these competitive uh, they're not solving. They've already, you know, they've shut down ga- whole entire games because they went nowhere. Sure. Um early in 2020, 37 team coaches were banned for exploiting a bug that let them spy on enemy teams using the in-game spectate feature. It's fucking bullshit, this whole thing. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. So not only there's no honor system, no one told anyone, hey, this is no honor system, there's no honor. No one said, hey, this bug exists. So let's patch this out or like fixing the bug they was just like everyone get on using this bug. (laughs) Holy shit. That's like wow, that'd be a imagine a pro sports of every like all these coaches were all of them. Like you know it was a big deal with like Spygate with with the with the deflate gate things like that but that's like one thing every five years it has imagine if it was it was like half the football coaches in one year got hit for cheating they wouldn't survive the sport potentially no this is bullshit sorry go moving on speaking of bullshit ea being sued for games being too difficult this is this was this was uh i don't know this was amusing federal lawsuit so basically what what is what what, what they're alleging is that alleging. um the game is too hard um <laughs> Lawsuit is, is, is alleging that the game is too hard and it's maliciously increasing the difficulty so that you feel uh, inclined to buy player packs um, to improve the, the improve your performance in the game. Um, as far as I can tell, and I'm sure listeners will be swift to tell me if I'm wrong, uh, this really only affects one mode of the game. And this lawsuit seems to be going kind of out of its way to avoid that fact. Uh, if you play a team, like if you're playing like the franchise mode or the career mode or whatever, the single player mode of these games, um, you're not paying to unlock team members. Those team members are on your team. Okay. So if you want to play as a good team, you, you pick the 
good team and you have those players on there. If you're playing online and you want to play as the Kansas City Chiefs or if you want to play as the Buffalo Bills, you pick that team and those players are there. You don't have to fucking unlock the people on your team Mm -hmm. to use them. What they're talking about is a game mode that exists specifically to wring money out of you. They're talking about the time, the my team. I can't remember what Your it's called. Your customized team. Yeah, mode, I can't remember basically. exactly what it's called, and they don't, they, they, actually don't mention it in the lawsuit. You're basically building your all-star team to use. Yes, right? and you build it oh. essentially from unlocks. You build it from card packs and things like, like you're, that. Like you're bu- building your own baseball card collection. Like or, a fan- yeah. right. it's yeah, a, it, This guy's good. It's this a guy. mixture between a, a, a fantasy team and a, and a card collecting. They've been doing it forever. They do it uh, for FIFA, where I think it's called uh, Ultimate Team. Um and it's it's been a mode uh, forever. Uh, the MLB The Show does a similar mode called Diamond Dynasty. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what they. I, I just, I, I, we talk about loot boxes as being bad, and I don't love them. But if you're going to actively buy into that ecosystem and play the loot box game, I don't think you can complain about. The difficulty, though, it's of course it's hard. At that point, it's weighting all of the good players against the bad players, and that's you're going to see a, a difference. The whole out, the whole idea of the game is to collect these cards to build your ultimate team, your best team. This is a- it's it's a sure it's it's predatory and it's going to prey on people who um, you know have gambling problems and stuff like that. But I, I it just sounds so silly. This, well, the lawsuit, here's the nice nice paragraph that sums it up. The lawsuit contends that EA dupes many gamers through utilizing one or more artificial intelligence technologies that adjust game difficulty dy- dynamically, uh, relying on heuristic, and they neglect to tell consumers about these technologies or their impact on games. Relying on heuristic prediction and intervention to adaptively change the difficulty of matches and influence or even dictate the outcomes. EA g- keeps gamers, quote, more engaged, almost as if EA normally exploits an addiction. If so, if, if that's true, if they actually do change the difficult dynamically in multiplayer games to benefit one side or the other, that would be something that, that could be maybe actionable if that was not disclosed, uh, potentially. So say I have a crappy team overall, and the game knows that, and gives me a disadvantage because they know that, hey, you don't have the players, meaning you're not spending enough money. That would be something actionable. I don't know. That's what they're kind of alleging. Sure, I, I but they're, they're, it's so unclear. They're not really stating that, nor are they saying that it's in online games. Uh, as asserted by the playoffs, EA deprives gamers who purchase player packs of the benefit of their bargains. EA allegedly does so by tweaking the difficulty level to diminish the impact of a superior player. So they're alleging that if I get if I get Jordan, he's not Jordan. He's something less. This triggers a self-perpetuating cycle since difficulty adjusting mechanisms make gamers believe that the teams are less skilled than they actually are, leading them to purchase additional player packs. So they're alleging something else now. They're alleging that you're stunting these premium players that I paid to get. That's something... That would be that something. That would be something. So, like, that would, if they're actually, like, okay. If they're, if they're saying their stats are such and such and they're actually playing them in the game as stats that are at a lower level, yes, yeah, absolutely. I, so they're basically saying if I get a 95-level player but he's playing more like an 80-level player, if they can prove that, then I think that would be something that would be a scandal. Sure. Because then I'm, you're, I'm addicted to try to get these players and they're not as good as you're telling me. They're So they got they got to obviously have evidence about, about, about this. It's not just like, well, it seems like my guy's not playing as well. If they, if they can... You know, depose EA and then look into this. It, 
that would be big, but this is like a long way off. If they did that, that'd be obviously the biggest scandal. Oh, that would be massive. Yes. But that's not changing difficulty. That's outright lying about the stats on your card. Well, they mean changing, I guess changing difficulty is like in terms of it's making it harder when I have players that shouldn't be, they should, players should be better than what they are playing as. I guess that's what they're saying. Okay. I guess I'm just um, interpreting it differently. But what you're saying is absolutely true. That would be a huge scandal. I was, I guess, reading into it wrong. Uh, all right. We'll see what happens. This is three people bringing this suit. And they're also facing a separate lawsuit uh, whether loot boxes violate California's prohibition against slot machines. Uh, they have yet to answer that complaint. So it's heating up. Europe's way ahead of us. Europe Europe has less fucking corruption, I guess, when it comes to us with this stuff. They get that shit done lickety split. Where it's like, okay, this is bad. You're paying fines. Here we're like, we're too fucking, we're, we're too spread out the U.S. I mean, that's uh, to our benefit and our advantage. There's 50 different states doing their own, doing their own shit here. It's, it's tough to get this. But if it's California, it's the biggest state. So the most popular state. So if it, if it happens to California, that that's obviously going to hurt. All right. Um, uh, I put that in video game awards announcements just for uh, the, the, the games of the years were announced. Uh, I don't know why I put, didn't put a link down. Your your, uh, your game got nominated. Your, uh, your Underworld game you mentioned a month ago. Hades? Hades got nominated. It's fucking incredible. Absolutely worth it. Um, you picked a good one there. Yeah, I, I saw Matt McMuscles talking about it uh, as well. Um, other other nominees. Uh, let's see, Last of Us Part Two, uh, Hades, Ghost of Tsushima, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, it's weird for a remake to be nominated. I just think it's weird. Uh, Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing: New Horizons. It's an entirely different game. It, it, I, it, a I, remaster, sure. A remake, it, it's a fucking remake. No, I get it, but it's just weird to me to see that. That's all. So, yeah, I don't know. Games. Modern games. I played uh, Animal Crossing this year. Um, didn't like it as much as I liked some of the older Animal Crossings, but it's still cute, fun, time divergent, uh, time waster. Um, I think if this w- award show was being held in June, uh, Animal Crossing would win. I think some of the excitement for Animal Crossing has kind of... The steam has kind of blown off, so I think it's less likely. Um, Hades, I would love to see uh, an indie game um, from Supergiant win. I mean, the game is truly fantastic. It, 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 it takes the roguelike genre and makes it make sense through its story everything happened it, it's just it's it's fantastic i can't say enough good about it um i didn't play any of the triple a stuff though i have no interest in um last of us 2 i didn't play last of us 1 ghost of tsushima probably fun but i well, cool just nothing's grabbing me on it i gotta play these new dooms i gotta check out these two new doom games uh, doom is fucking fantastic doom yeah, 2016 right. it's great and i still need to play doom eternal uh, yeah, they look they look great in terms of uh, uh, the different weapons that they added and the movement and things like that. It's a very very now, fast, very kinetic game. The first game, it looks the, cool. the, yeah. the Doom twenty sixteen. The way the mechanics all interact with each other, the shooting from a distance, but finishing like using the finishing blows, and that helps you regain ammo. It like it's smarter. It, it feels like pinball. It feels like pinball. You're constantly moving. You're constantly in motion. Yep, I like that. I need, I need, I need the kinetic shooters back in my life. Damn you, Epic Games! Um, yeah, then I, obviously uh, Cyberpunk misses out by all the delays, so they probably would have been nominated. They'll, they'll be nominated next year, I guess. 
after that. But it's coming out. They shipped the damn thing, right? That game's finally coming out. Comes out in like a week, I think. So people people got their copies. Don't break street date, Luna. Don't do that. We won't even get it. Speaking of game stores, Pink Gorilla came out with a cute little product. Um, yeah, our pals over at Pink Gorilla introduced a bootleg buddy. Uh, it's a pack of uh, tools that will open all of the most common cartridges. So 99% of cartridges, it has a tri-wing screwdriver, a 3.8 millimeter game bit, a 4.5 millimeter game bit, and a dual mini flathead Phillips screwdriver. It comes in a cute carrying case, and they come with... um, cards they come with this is the cool part this is the cool part to me it's not just the tools it's the education that it comes with it comes with cards um that show you how to spot all the most common bootlegs how to look at say game boy advance games ds games things like that what to look for uh information on chips um you know what to look for on the board um it's a really good idea i can say i've actually used the tools i got sent a set of the tools uh, a couple months ago when i ordered gonna plug another thing for them they're switch case which holds like 30 freaking games it's a hard shell case and it has lots of game storage harder than that one it's is that's more like a it's a little bit thicker and it's got multiple pages so if you're a person with a lot of like physical games like me um it's a really nice carrying case anyways so i I have been able to try out the tools and they are quality uh and they're pink they're adorable yeah this would be something good for once the conventions come back for like if you don't you know you carry it with you oh i want to buy this game is look going to the flea market whatever yep Uh, especially if you're buying popular stuff if you're if you're the type of person who goes to a convention into the flea market and you're looking for popular but less common stuff if you're looking for your pokemon games i would say more the game boy stuff especially the game boy stuff but if you're looking for But if you're looking for Super Nintendo RPGs and things like that, it it never hurts to have them. And I will say that there are a lot, and you can usually tell by looking at them and feeling them, but uh, N64 bootlegs are increasing uh, at an alarming rate. Lots and lots of N64 bootlegs out there. Yes. They're they're catching up. Yes, lots of them. One of the few times I went to the swapman this year, I I saw a uh, Ninja Gaiden uh, trilogy uh, bootlegs in there. I, I alerted the guy. He was cool about it. He said, like, "Oh, thanks for telling me." Because I, I, the label was terrible. Sure. And I, 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 I pointed the back. I said, "Look at the back. There's no Nintendo stuff in the back." And I looked. At, I said, "Look at the label. It's not, not the right color. Even feel the weight and feel it." So, well, some people don't know though. So, some vendors don't know. And, I, and some, like I said, some of those Pokemon games are are harder to tell. I mean, like the advanced ones and things like that. Um, a little bit harder. So, yeah, it's a cool product, but it's sold out right now. It'll get back in stock. You know, it's not sold out, Ian. Stuff at ultimatenintendo.com. Enamel pins. Books. T-shirts. Shirts. I, we just found... You know what? I found a stash of extra My Mans. We had um, only small and medium on the website. I found the large and the 2XL, and I believe there might be an XL. I don't know. 25% off, Ian, right now. We're doing. But on top of that, today only, the last day, I'm extending, Ian, the Cyber Turkey promo code. Use code for Cyber Turkey. And you'll save 15% off of anything in the shop at ultimatenintendo.com. Today only, Tuesday, Tuesday, December 1st. Get your goodies. Get yourself some product with the My Man shirt or the books or the Not For Resale Blu-ray, etc., etc., etc. You happy I found these, Ian? I am. Kind of happy. Kind of happy I found the extra My Man shirts. That was already like two years ago with My Man. No, it was three years ago. Because that movie came out three years ago. More than three years ago, yeah. Wow. We recorded that, remember, when I was in the middle of the move at your place. My man! We did the, the few podcasts at Ian's. 
That seems like 17 years ago at this point uh, we did that. Again, UltimateNintendo.com there. Cyber Turkey Code, say 15%. Quibi's dead, Ian. Quibi is dead. Quibi's dead. Ding dong. Quibi's dead. Supposed to be shutting down on or around December 1st. Not a shock. We called this before this started. That this would be gone. I so is this like done, done, like you click on the app, it doesn't um, work? Um, is that what, is this what the, this means? The, 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 the app might not be on the store anymore. Okay. Like, like it may not be available to buy. I'll look it up right now. But it sounds like you wouldn't be able to view anything on the app anymore if you had it. Like that, they're just shutting down. Sure. We're, they're, they're, they're pulling the clamp and just the servers are getting shut down. Less than seven months. Less than seven months. We've been going through lockdown and COVID longer than Quibi's existed in the public eye. Um, this is the most catastrophic failure of, of a public startup that I, I don't I, I can't remember something failing this big uh, this quickly. This is insane for something like this to go down in flames like this. Um, they don't know what will happen to the dozens, dozens of original shows on Quibi, uh, which has license from a range of A-list Hollywood talent and media companies. At this time, we do not know if the Quibi content will be available anywhere after our last day of service, the LA-based startup said in a message on its customer support site. We recommend following ha- uh, hashtag Quibi on Twitter for any news regarding content. They privatized the Quibi Twitter account yesterday. I saw that. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's getting rolled up. Fly, almost like, like, like fly by night. We're done. Like, everything yeah. packed in the truck. We're gone. We're gone. Not, we're, not, we're not slowly leaving here. Um, as of Thursday afternoon last week, Quibi app was still pr- prompting first-time downloaders to create an account with a 14-day trial and asking returning users to subscribe for 5 bucks a month with ads or 8 without ads. With no notice that the service was still going dark, Quibi's partners had no advance warning about its shutdown, and many are scrambling to find new homes for their productions, including uh, CBS Studios shopping Liam Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz dystopian action series Most Dangerous Game. So there you go. All right. Hopefully they bounce back. Hopefully stuff like the Reno 911 revival, someone picks it up. There'll be some shows picked up. 95% no will never be seen again. You won't see 95% of this shit again. No. Well, some might be, a few might be picked up. I can picture Reno 911 being picked up. That's popular enough that someone will, Hulu or someone will pick that up. I think that could, yes, be salvaged. Um, of course, uh, good old Katzenberg blamed COVID again. Tone deaf. Not realizing you just failed because you had a shitty idea and executed it even worse. Um, said that um, our, stand- our standalone business model is no longer viable. It was never, never viable, viable, Jeff. Never viable. The world has changed dramatically since Quibi launched on April 6th, revealing that he still ultimately blames the COVID pandemic for his brainchild's failure to take off. When everything else has taken off, online streaming, video games, everything else, people are clamoring for content. Jeff, it's the service, buddy. Yeah. It's not... Entertainment COVID. is the one thing we all want right now. There's no movies to watch in theaters. So we're watching more shit at home. COVID did not destroy it. Your horrible idea and disastrous delivery method destroyed it. It was horrible. If and I mean, I mean COVID probably helped it, and that's... Oh, that's I might have hastened it a little bit, but it wasn't good. It's not like that people are going to work. They'd be looking at Quibi, awful Quibi shows in their fucking cubicles. Yeah. On, their, on, on only their phones. People are not having, in, in no alternative future are people having water cooler breaks over the hot new Quibi show. Over the girl with the golden arm. That's not happening. Or the, I don't know if you saw it. I got a couple of uh, uh, 
couple of tweets directed at me yesterday about it. Apparently, there was a Jack Sparrow show that was entirely about 13 Jack Sparrow. It was called Jack Sparrow House. It was about 14 Jack Sparrow impersonators. No, no it wasn't. Yes. All living no, in one house at no, the same wasn't. time. And the contest was if you broke, if you broke character, you got kicked off the show. I think I think this was made up, Ian. This I'm looking at this. Uh, I don't believe it is. What this one website said it was made up. Oh, okay. Some evil genius made the internet think there's a Quibi show about Jack Sparrow impersonators. Here's okay, a, here's the point. Quibi's content's so bad. Ben, I yeah, you I'm might sorry. Even believe it. Okay, so it is fake. It is fake. <laughs> Here I am getting caught, but I, I I I I there's nothing about it that led me to believe that it wouldn't be true. Because <laughs> they, they took any idea. Yes. All right, so sorry, Jack Sparrow House is no, not true. That was, I mean, I would, I almost would want to watch that. That'd be funny as hell. You couldn't break character. That's fucking hysterical. All right, uh, Ian, uh, game preservation news every week. This is the golden age of game preservation. This is like we're we're, we're finding this shit locked away, people's closets, shoeboxes, on servers. This is fantastic. Freaking breaking into people's arcades to fix them and dumping the ROM secretly. This is this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, this has been happening the past year or two. So the port of Superman sixty four for PS one was released to the internet. Yes, and right when I said that, the page is down. Page has not been found. Did they take down the page? They this may person, have. This person take down the page. It was available this morning, even still. You could have downloaded the RAR file. Well, of, DeviantArt of seems like a bad place to post, you know, copyrighted stuff. I feel like, yeah, they could have gotten a cease and desist on that. So now we can't read about it. So basically, it was this guy, uh, Digital Explorations. Uh, I, I, I skim read, read it yesterday, and now it's down already. So you can't access it. This guy was on, like, a, I guess, a forum for this stuff like 10 years ago. He'd, he'd, won, this off, he'd won this off of... Um, off of eBay, along with a, 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 a I think like a, a, an earlier version of Resident Evil, I think he won for PlayStation. And there was some drama on the forum. People got butt hurt, which happens on forums. And so he decided not to release uh, this version of the game that no one had seen, um, but just because of a drama on forums, he kept it locked away and decided to just put it on the internet. I, well, I guess in the past few days, it was three four days ago. And, and now the post is down. Obviously, people grabbed it by now, though. There was a download link to it. And it was, I guess, a cleaned-up version of Superman 64 for the PS1. It was, I guess, I, I'm guessing a, 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 a PlayStation version. It was looked like a PlayStation game, played closer to how it should play. And um, have you seen anything on it? Is it back up anywhere? Or? Uh, I just ran a search. I'm reading something on in Gadget, but basically, uh, I, you know, uh, Frank's post is here uh, saying uh, the write-up on it that was up there is full of weird scene drama involving <laughs> deleting files because people were mean, and also something about publishing Resident Evil 1.5 fan fiction as a physical book. I understand about half of it. Really nostalgic for early 20, 2000s emulator drama. Um, um, yeah, it's already on. It's already on the Wikipedia page for it. Cancel PlayStation version. Um, I built the game dated to June twenty second, two thousand. Was eventually uploaded to Mediafire on November twenty eighth, two thousand twenty, by Richard Evan Mandel, who announced and linked 
to the bill's release via a journal post on his DeviantArt page. So people already re-downloaded this. There'll be news about this coming out. Yeah. So it's always weird to me about when you hear about this, about I guess people pressure you to want to release something and you feel like, oh, how dare you pressure me. You get on your fucking high horse because you... you and we still see this to an extent today. You get on your high horse because you bought intellectual property that you actually don't own the copyright to. Again, you don't own the copyright to this stuff, but you own the physical form of it in case you do legally own that in some form or another and to, and you know people i guess you want people to bow to you to, to release this stuff and this is one of the cases we saw of it but he did the right thing and released it finally found it on a hard drive still i guess i don't know where the original disc was i'd see that in the article when i when i had a chance to see it but maybe maybe it would have been playable since the n64 one was not maybe they cleaned it up and maybe it was playable for that so we wanted to uh take a moment to mention uh arcade dreams it's a definitive arcade documentary series it's up on kickstarter right now three days left you have until friday the fourth three days to go 695 backers they're at eighty two thousand eight hundred and ninety one dollars pledged of the ninety five thousand dollar goal and it looks to be a good Project, something I'm interested in uh, covering the history of arcades, but not just modern history, the entire history of coin-operated amusements and games. Early, uh, looks like early Bagatelle, um, mechanical early devices, op, uh, electromechanical stuff, toys, you know, the sort of stuff that you would see in an old-fashioned arcade, all the way up to the modern day. Um, it's, I believe, a three-hour documentary is what they are so saying. Three, three sixty-minute episodes, but they're stretch goals. I think if you, if you, if you back there'll be like little mini things and i think the more money they get uh they'll probably be able to do most more post-production and shoot more because they're not done shooting they've shot a decent amount from what it looks like but um with covid kind of hard to shoot documentaries right now so that's the that's the issue probably won't be able to shoot anything until i guess in like the summer of next year but um looks like they have their ducks in a row uh they did uh, an amiga documentary this team a few years ago that did pretty well it looks like on uh kickstarter uh i briefly uh, chatted with the director just to get more information about this but yeah there's more to shoot but um it looks like a good project i'm liking that we're getting more of, of this sort of these sort of projects out there in the open um i, I would just say that i hope they get more funding because a uh, hundred years of history in three hours is not enough you know you can i mean we're talking arcade games pinball games electromechanical uh, purely mechanical games like the stuff you see, see in the san francisco uh, museum uh, what the, what's it called? The Museum uh, Mechanique. We're talking incredible stuff that, at this point, some of those are one of a kind. When you go to see some of this stuff, that's 70 years old, some of this stuff. You know, little soccer players. Yep. You know, games like that. It's incredible. Talking about the, you know, uh, light gun shooters from the 40s that they had. A lot, a lot, some of the arcade games that still exist today from like the 70s that are purely, uh, you know, pre-video game, they're electromechanical, like driving games and shooting games. Uh, go watch. Go watch uh, when you see the movie Jaws. There's a little arcade scene real quickly. They walk by the kids playing. Remember, this is before like mostly video games. Yeah, they had Pong, but not much else. And they're playing like little light gun games and arcade games where literally there's a physical car. You're moving back and forth, you know, on a on a like, like a vinyl like track basically. But it still keeps score like counter. Like this is this is incredible stuff that a lot of this stuff doesn't exist, and we don't have a lot of history about this stuff anymore. This is before most people's times and I have to imagine when a lot of these games were produced they didn't it's not like they produced a million of these things sure of, of these purely mechanical mechanical games games that didn't happen until you got to like Space Invaders then you're pumping all this shit out to that extent so it's a fascinating history and plus you know this, this stuff was illegal 
uh, in the U.S. for for a time. You know, pinball and things like that. They were seen as like gambling devices, bagatelles for some weird reason. So, th- so th- there's a there's sordid tales and stuff. I love to hear about the early days of like Bally, you know, things like that from historians. So this is a cool project. I recommend checking it out on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, arcade, arcade dreams, the definitive arcade documentary series. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, Ian Patrick. We got we have an amusement park that's set to open in just a few months. Seems like a weird time to open an amusement in park. Japan. But yes, Super Nintendo World is opening inside Universal Studios Japan on February 4th, 2021, and we're starting to get better looks at what it's going to be like on the inside. Um so the main attraction is going to be uh, Mario Kart Koopa's Challenge. That's sort of the anchor ride for that area. Um, it's going to be a Mario Kart roller coaster, um, but there's going to be AR goggles involved. So you'll be able to see shells and throw shells at your... Um, while you're on the coaster. While you're on the coaster. Stuff. Um, it's not free-moving. It's not like go-karts or anything like that. It is an on-track roller coaster, but they're augmenting it with all sorts of that, um, you know, AR stuff to make it look like a uh, a round of Mario Kart when you play. Koopa's Challenge is called. Um, which, I don't know, seems very interesting. I, I'm just seeing some of the pictures of the uh, park What's itself in the building that the Mario Kart is housed in. It looks really cool. It's got a huge statue yeah, of it, Bowser. Nintendo doesn't want you, like, on the go-kart track, crashing into each other, really throwing weapons at each other. Nintendo wasn't going to allow that. No. This isn't a little, you know, little crappy little place like boomers down the road where you, you hit into each other. Nintendo is a little more professional than that. They're going to control your experience. Um, and then there is Yoshi's Adventure, which is, uh, looks like, you know, any sort of like dark ride that you would find at Disneyland or a place like that. Your carts look like Yoshi and it takes you around on an adventure with Captain Toad to find three mysterious eggs. Oh, that's adorable. Um, I don't know if this one also uses AR or not. I would not be surprised uh, pro- if it does. In the promo pic, the, the people are just in the ride. They're, yeah, they're, people are just in the ride. They're basically riding Yoshi. Like, it looks like a parrot and a kid. Get a spectacular view of the Mushroom Kingdom from Mount Beanpole while having fun on this ride that's perfect for the whole family. So, um, entrance to this area of the park is 70... It looks like it's about 70... Uh, U.S. bucks, roughly. It's, it's seven seven thousand yen. Um, so depending on how the yen is doing that day, we can just say seventy. Um, there is an additional uh, purchase price you can pay. You can pay an additional uh, three thousand yen to get the power up band. And the power up band is a wrist you wear that keeps track of things like collecting coins okay. throughout. Um, collecting coins throughout the park and uh doesn't seem like it's necessary i mean maybe if you go there a lot you wouldn't need it after you know the first time but um you know this isn't a a full-on theme park this is a section of universal studios so it's big but it's not going to be massive this is not like you know a, a disneyland um i feel like you know to really kind of get your your time's worth out of it the power up band would probably be something that you would want to 
pick up. Because with that, what I'm guessing is it really kind of gives you a reason to explore all the nooks and crannies of the area. And honestly, the design of it is what I'm most excited about. That's the sort of stuff that I would be most excited to do to just kind of explore and walk around and see what's going on. So they, they announced these two rides. Is there more than these two? Is everything else just like shops and little things you walk around? Pretty much just shops and little things. I think okay. they'll probably be, you know, they can open another ride later. But this is technically how this sort of stuff usually goes. It's like when Disneyland opens up, you know, when they opened up their Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. These are not, and I feel like some people who haven't been following this maybe got the wrong idea. This is not a Nintendo theme park with one main front sure. gate that you go in and it's all Nintendo. It's a section of Universal Studios. So right. if you've ever been to a Universal Studios and seen how seen how they theme out areas, this is going to be similar to that. So there's a couple of rides, lots of shops, lots of facades and things like that. Sure. And then maybe they expand in the future. Who knows? Right. Then they absolutely can. Um, because when you look at... They talked about, I believe, doing... Uh, there was like a Donkey Kong... Country. We looked at some old maps a while back. That's on, right. There was like a Donkey Kong Country ride, I think, and sure. maybe even a Legend of Zelda thing. I, I don't recall. Sure. This, this is staying Nintendo... Excuse me, Mario theme, which makes sense because that's... Come on. So yeah, can, more can, will can obviously be added. I'm sure this will be very popular, but this is what they're opening up. Yeah, with. there'll be a shop. Maybe they'll have like exclusive items available just, just for if you go to this location. I'm sure they'll do stuff like that to, to draw people in. You know, little plushes and things like that to buy. Maybe they'll have a little uh, Nintendo snacks. <laughs> you know, I like, like Nintendo-themed snacks. Because, uh, yeah, when you look at it, it's not a huge amount of space. When you look at it, you're like, you, no. can, you can't fit 5,000 people on this thing. You can fit maybe several, like 1,000 people. Like it's, not, like, it's not a huge amount of space when you look at this. You can probably walk, you can probably walk through this thing in a minute. Like, in terms of, like, it's not gigantic. Maybe a couple minutes you can walk through this thing. But um, maybe we, we, we get it here. Maybe it's bigger. Maybe they, maybe they have more space and more people. I have a feeling this will be very popular, and I, I, I could definitely see it expanding. For sure. But I mean, when they open it up, oh, yeah. our, our local one, it'll be bigger probably. I would imagine they could, they could do that. Um, I don't, I've been to the Universal here one time, I believe. I was, I was at it once. Was I ever at this one when I visited here in 2008 when I met Ian? I think I visited. I forget. I went to MGM or both with my friend Tommy, but uh, anyway, so I, I think I think it's going to be fun. Obviously, um, the price the price for it, well, it's 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 an amusement park. I mean, or amusement park section. I mean, what do you, what do you expect? Yeah. What do you expect? You're going to pay seventy hundred bucks. That's what it is. About what I would expect. Um, and then obviously they wanted to originally, I think, have this for the Olympics. The Olympics is pushed back. Everything's pushed back this year. So I can see a lot of people. Once we can travel again and our passports are, aren't worth spit, uh, people want to go to Japan to check this out. I'd want to. I'm, I'm actually thinking about going to the, to the Olympics next year if things are hunky-dory. I figure I want to go to Japan this year. The Olympics are in Japan. They pushed them back. Well, it could be cool. And then maybe I could check this out too, but it'll be a madhouse, I think, the first year trying to get into this Absolutely. Thing. I'm guessing they're going to they're gonna have to limit the people that are you know on this thing they are it even says at yeah. the bottom of actually the main website that you need to get a timed entry ticket so basically they're doing it like and apparently galaxy's edge didn't really need it but they're doing it like galaxy's oh. edge that they did at disney you have to basically reserve yourself a time band to get in well i mean the good news is that when you look at it yeah you can probably go on both the rides and look at everything in a couple hours mm -hmm. at most there's a little toadstool house sitting there that you probably can walk it and get some crap um 
Yeah, there's not. I mean, yeah, it's not. The footprint's not huge. They said it's multi-level, so I'm sure there's lots of up and down you can do walking. You know, to see uh, see stuff. There's there's definitely. I'm I'm. I would assume a few hours worth of entertainment in there. But yeah, you could absolutely do it all in one day. Absolutely. All right. You gonna check it out? Ian? You gonna go to Japan with me? Japan? Probably not with you, but I do plan on going at some point. So I thought, all right, I'll find someone to go with me in Japan. You don't want to do the CU podcast uh, Japanese tour? <laughs> we can take we can take it all around there. No, take the world by storm. The holidays are here. Ian, have you made your wish list yet? Have you done that? Our sponsor today has the number one wish for gift of the year: Manscaped, the best in men's below and above the belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. You are in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Included in the package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. That's some tech to get up in in there. Wow! That is a mouthful. The bundle includes the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer as well, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body the three Bs. Let's not forget <laughs> their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive those two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bags. Nice, nice, nice bag to throw it all in there. All right, now here's a special offer. You get 20% off and free shipping with Coach CU Podcast. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off of free shipping at manscaped.com using code CU Podcast. What are you waiting for? Holidays are here. You can gift to other people, to yourself. You can gift. Go whack your weeds. Make Santa proud. All right, Ian. Yeah. The Xbox Series X and S are, are out right now. They're out. You can buy them if you can get past the freaking scalping bots. And organizations that are flaunting the fact that are bought, they're buying thousands of these things with scalping bots, and you can uh, you could you can play the the, the 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 games that the kids like. But you can also, with this is news, you can turn your Xbox Series X or S into an emulation machine via the console's developer mode. This could be an interesting uh, uh, development. Speaking of developer, uh, that's that. Uh, been unleashed here. So as it says here in this Ars Technica article, the installation vector here comes not through an unforeseen security hole, but through Microsoft's policy of allowing any retail Xbox One console to become a full-fledged dev kit. Um, They promised that functionality in uh, 2013. There were signs that Microsoft was thinking of abandoning those plans in 2014, though they officially opened up the Xbox One, allowing registered Universal Windows platform uh, UWP developers to load and test content directly onto a stock retail console. Um, so, uh, as, as confirmed, so that uh, and Libretto, which decided in late 2018 that it would commit to creating an Xbox One compatible. Universal Windows platform build of its popular emulator package that's RetroArch. This version launched in alpha in 2019 and has been updated sporadically since. They have confirmed that the new build works on the Xbox Series S, Series X as well, allowing your new console to pretend to be anything from an Atari 2600 to a Wii with a whole lot of consoles in between. So basically, you uh, you pay a one-time $19 fee with register. You register your, your Xbox account to be a developer account through Windows Dev Center portal 
19 bucks. That's it. One time fee. And now that opens up the uh, dev mode activation app in the store. System will guide you through a few steps to link the console. So you link the console to your dev account, making that console basically a dev console. Uh, you may have to download some updates, blah, blah, blah. And after that point, you, you, load, you load on RetroArch and, 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 you're, and you're good to go. Yeah. They, they've, been, they've been planning this, obviously. This is... Um, I don't want to say it's incredible, but when you look at the, like everything, people are trying to make all these emulation machines right now, and people, Atari VCS costs three to four hundred dollars for the freaking Atari VCS. Um, you have you have that when you have something that only costs if you want, you get three hundred dollars for the Series S. That's fair. Super powerful, super powerful. That could emulate probably anything you want to throw on it. That's a tempting little little ditty. Uh, I mean, I think it is because so. Uh, one last caveat is so Xbox console and development mode won't want run any retail Xbox games other on disc or download, but you can switch back and forth between the two modes. It simply has to reboot. So you know, it's not like it's in, it's it, it's not like this is plug and play. But neither are a lot of emulation consoles. Or no. emulation boxes. No. You're going to have to do tinkering with something like an Atari VCS to get it to do that. It's why not do it? Mode. Yeah. Why not do it with this cheaper? Why not do it with a more powerful console that can play Xbox games on top? Sure. So yeah, I mean it's 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 neat to see this as possible. Um, yeah, it just harkens back to we've come from people getting the original Xbox and modding it to be its own emulation machine, you know, and now it's like. I'm I'm sure Xbox, even if they know they they know about this, Microsoft they don't they don't care. It's like well whatever, do do whatever you want. You bought our freaking hardware, you're probably gonna buy it. I I can't imagine someone buying this just to do the emulation, but it wouldn't be the worst choice to do it based upon how powerful this is. Sure, you know what I mean. Like if 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 they emulate, if they manage to have like you know maybe a solid in the future, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. A fucking PS4 emulator, throw it on your Xbox S. You know, like that's not going to happen. I'm just saying though, like I'm just thinking about like if it's if it's powerful enough to run probably anything you throw at it, it's the most powerful emulation device you can probably get is, is the this Xbox. You're never going to see PS4 emulation on there. You, it, it, be, be, why? Because they couldn't do PS4 emulation at some point. Because it's be not so- it's not strong enough. The amount the, the you need to have exponentially more power to run something like that. You are not going to see PS4 emulation on an Xbox One S. Okay, maybe or an three. Xbox Series. Maybe S. a three you can get on there, or an, not even on the X. You could you, you don't think? It'd be too too. I it would depend to run an emulator like that. It would be tough. I think it would it would choke the system. It would choke the system too much. But we'll see. But the uh, point is that this is the most powerful emulation device you can get. Modern Vintage Gamer says they put the 299 Series S through its emulation paces. They found some of the very best emulation that they've seen on a console. Yeah. So. Oddly or not, it's, 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 it's powerful. Um, this becomes more and more tempting to me, this, this $300 Series S. The more I see it, I'm more like, huh, this, this could be something. $300 versus five is that's a, that's a, that's a jump for a, a lot of people that they, they, could, they can justify that uh that price here so maybe this will be uh this will this will pick up for the scene because yeah, they don't even have a working playstation 2 core on RetroArch yet oh they don't no but a ps2 emulator it has to exist though doesn't it not not a particularly good one it's right now it yet. looks like gamecube wii saturn in development and psp uh run fairly well 
And PS1, probably, right? Sure. That's right. PS1 was running on fucking Bleem 20 years ago. I saw the box in my, in my garage. Or... <laughs> the other week, I found my Bleem... Oh, I found my Bleem disc the other week. But uh, the the thing that's really most interesting to me about this is it, re- it harkens back to the days of the original Xbox. There was a period in time where even after the 360 was out, people still wanted original Xboxes because they were hackable and people yeah. turned them into fairly capable media centers and emulation devices and they saw a huge lifespan beyond just their original shelf life and i could see that definitely happening with especially i think the series s because it's it's cheap enough um you know it, it, it's the right entry price i don't think anyone's going to necessarily go out of their way to do this with the series x but they could though sure like like it's it's just an extra bonus but that's all so like when i see this i'm like all right Get a game pass and play play some modern games, and you can have your emulation machine. Now you don't have the four controller ports like you had in the cute little OG Xbox for those four player you know, mm-hmm. Turtles and mm-hmm. Time arcade games. But you know you, you wire up some controllers, you get some Bluetooth stuff, and, and there there you have it. Um, the developers at, at Lib Retro, Lib Retro, I guess it's Lib Retro, will continue to update Retro Arch and its underlying cores as time goes on. Of course, so new advances in emulation technology should make their way. To the Xbox UWP. Right now, the team seems close to getting PS2 emulation core PSX2 P- PCSX2 into workable shape, which would be a bit ironic considering that, that PS2 games are not natively compatible with the PS5. Damn you, Sony. Why not? Because we want to resell you this shit or put it on a service. So, there you go. I'm getting close, Reen. I think I might take the, I might take the, the modern plunge again uh, next year uh, for the Series S. Or at that point, you might as well just go for the $500 version, but I don't have to have a fucking 4K TV. So it's like, well, who cares? I'm not going to see most of the benefits. Ah, but you get the you get the, the discs. But discs don't matter on modern games as much anymore anyway. All right, Ian. We haven't spoken about the Polymega in quite a while. The Polymega is to be the modular-based, uh, modular emulation-based I can't believe I forgot to bring it up during our Xbox emulation device segment saying this is going to cost three to $400 for the base unit, but then they have you buy the modular units to play NES, Super Nintendo, uh, Genesis, and TurboGrafx-16 right now. The main unit plays emulation uh, disk systems, PlayStation, Neo Geo CD, PC Engine CD, Sega Saturn is the one they're touting. And I might be missing one in my head. But those are the, the main ones. The main four or five uh, CD systems. This was originally supposed to come out uh, last year. Like spring of last year. April 1st, 2019, I believe, was the first was the, the first target release date. They originally started taking money for it. I believe it was uh, early fall, September 2018. We first reported on it through their website. No Kickstarter. No Indiegogo, right. because it was early in development. This has been development for, for several years now. I, th- I think that they announced it in 2017. I personally saw the original prototype, or original prototype. It had, I mean, it even uh, went, it had a different name at one point. Retro Blocks or something like that, I think. It was, was Retro Blocks. Yeah. Um, so, not, not Retro Blocks, that's the company. Uh, retro Blocks is the game. Uh, God, now you threw me off. I'll look it up in a second. But I saw the original, uh, the original version of this. At, at SoCal Retro Gaming Expo 2017 Super Bowl weekend when they when they had it there. And um, 
at the time I was like, well, this looks like it's could be something. The the Dispakes emulation is uh, something interesting that that hadn't been around at that point. The Sega Saturn thing was promising back then, uh, but a lot has changed in almost four years since then. Uh, we've had NES and SNES classics come out. How much did you say the Poly Mega was? I think you've said it the was. Base unit was, was like three to four hundred dollars. Yeah, it's four hundred. You said three. Well, I think it was three hundred originally when you ordered okay. it on their site. Yeah. It's four hundred with the uh, wireless controller. I don't. I don't want them. I don't want to tweet uh, from the from the founder come after me. Um, and then the modular the modules are what are they between sixty and eighty bucks or whatever with the controller. Um, modules appear to be eighty. Um, so the point is, in the past four years, lots have changed. We've had multiple FPGA consoles come out, um, multiple ones from analog, covering uh, and they re released. Uh, they did the NES one. Super Nintendo, Genesis, we have a Turbo Graphics one coming out. Um, lots of emulation solutions have come out the past years. Uh, mini consoles out the wazoo, multiple mini consoles, official releases. We've had five official ones, five official ones in the past four years. Uh, or NES Classic was late 2016, I believe. Um, so you Love it or hate them, uh, you can't also uh, discount the fact that I think it was in early 2019. Or late 2018, Hyperkin started releasing all of their units in uh, HD form, including their uh, their Retron 2s and their Retron 3s in HD, uh, all under a hundred bucks. Um, you know, some doing multiple systems. There, uh, all the HD cables that have come out for almost all these systems, systems. The past few years. So what we're looking at is, you know, uh, an idea that on the surface of it was 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 interesting um, four years ago is now sitting at a point where and we'll, we'll get to this it's not released yet and the need for something like this seems to be slipping away yes so on that note uh it was supposed to come out in april 2019 um it did not i don't have a full timeline of the delays uh but it was recently delayed again um to february 2021 uh, they announced this on their Twitter page with uh, a, a, a tweet with the replies turned off. They must have known that that was not going to go over super well. Um, yes. They have not been the, the best on communication. And he's looking at their social media. They had not had a, a main tweet on their account since September 6th before that. So they, they went dark. You can't go dark when you have taken people's money, pre-order money. And, right. And that's the thing. It's not like this is a product that that you know we're we're just funding this with investors and from what I hear they even have investor uh, money as well put into this when you've had people's money now for um like 2 years and we're talking over you know we're talking seven figures of money millions of dollars low millions but millions of dollars of people's money you have to you have to communicate with people what the hell is happening Right, and I think what they did that I think has has bummed some people out is they sent out beta units, and uh, people I know, there are people I know who have beta units to kind of um, talk about the system and go over it in videos, and while that is certainly a proof of the concept being viable, it does not mean that these things are in production or that just because they have it viable, they have the manufacturing figured out or worked out. No, and, and you're not you're not even seeing like the final model that's going to be rolled out potentially out of the warehouse or out of the factory. Right. So 
Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, and on one hand, they released those beta units to get, you know, to start showing people that things were in action because they were running out of time. Um, but the problem is, is when you get to a point now where you have to de- delay that again, uh, you get people wondering, well, then why did they get these these units what's going on here is this actually going into production um i do think that this is probably going into production it's just not looking you know it is in production now that's what they say um it just doesn't look good they they, the last time they delayed it they said you know long story short uh, i'm cutting ahead this was uh, this was uh 7th of july this was july 7th of this year this was um the the uh message they sent out um Last month, we were informed of the untimely closure of an important partner in the overseas supply chain. Factory was responsible for producing several PCBs used on this product and shipping it to the final production factory for assembly, skipping over a bunch of stuff. The impact is that the official worldwide launch of Polymega has changed to November 15th or earlier in capitals, bolds, and underlined for both the base unit and the four launch models. And they went silent until like this past week. And I think that's what really pissed people off. So in July, they say November. 15th or earlier. Nothing for months saying, oh, we, we're not going to hit that date. This is the thing we bring up when it comes to these upstart manufacturers um and I, again it's all about m- managing expectations that's that's what half of this stuff is when you do pre-orders you have to know if you are competent when your product will be likely to ship you have to if you're running a business there's too many there's too many moving parts to not know that this is not going to come out whether it's this or the freaking amico you have to know if you're running a company Months and months and months, several months in advance, we're not going to hit the, the date. There is no advantage at all to keeping that information private unless you think it's going to look bad if I tell people this is delayed again. Right. You have people's money. It is ethical to let them know this is not going to come out when we said it will. Don't, don't keep that information to yourself. There's just there's no reason to. You're just going to piss people off more. Yeah. If you're afraid that, well, they're going to be mad, they're going to be even more mad if you hold that information until when the product's supposed to come out or be in production. Again, when you produce this stuff in a factory in China and have it be landed in the U.S. to ship, this has to be in production months in advance, this stuff. It takes weeks, if not a month, depending upon your, your how many you're pumping out, to get it through the factory, do the quality control, we got to put them on a, a freighter, get them literally on a freighter from China to the U.S., get them through customs, get them to where now we can ship them from a location. This is months and months that has to be put into the uh, the scheduling it. So it's nuts to, to it's nuts to to not just tell people this isn't going to happen. And to do it this way, it's just, it's going to make people angry. I mean, this, this article that I'm reading on Nintendo Life, and they're, they're someone who has a beta unit. Um, this article on Nintendo Life uh, announcing this most recent delay is uh, from Friday, November 13th. So two days before people were supposed to have. Yeah, I don't know how we didn't talk about this earlier. No, we weren't alerted about this. I had no, no idea yeah. that that was supposed to be November 15th and it wasn't hit. So I'm not going to get on it too much on the access media or influencers but when you pump up these products that you got an early version of that hasn't shipped yet or been manufactured 
You're doing a disservice to your audience, potentially, who may now be uh, in for a pre-order of one who may not get it when not only when they expect it, there's that weird possibility in some of these cases they may not get anything at all. So when it's an upstart company that has not shipped anything yet, a product that's been in development for years, whether it's this or another uh, item, you've got to be very, very careful handling this stuff. Very careful. Yeah. That's it. Because we've seen this on uh, on other crappier devices like the that fucking retro engine Sigma. Uh, we've seen it on that fly-by-night fucking uh, Dreamcade shit where, yeah, you can send out units to YouTubers who will talk them up. That doesn't mean the end product's going to be good. It doesn't mean the product's going to be supported after a while. It doesn't mean the company is going to even get you the product, potentially. It's the difference between that and a company like Nintendo sending you something that you're, you're 100% guaranteed is going to come out. Like, it's guaranteed. Nintendo sends out to influencers. It's fucking made already. Like, if they, if they send you Mario Maker on the Wii U, that's coming out. It's coming out. These are startups. There's no guarantee that these startups are going to be profitable or they're going to even come up with the product until it's in your hand. Right. And, I, you know, I, I, I feel like we've had some people be like, oh, well, you know, you're kinder to analog or you're, 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 you're enthusiastic about the play date. I have plenty of problems with analog, but analog has shipped multiple finished products. They've never not, not shipped a, a console. That they say they're going to ship. Playdate has, you know, is their own company, but they've utilized design from Teenage Engineering, a company with multiple shipped products Track that I have, I have held. Yes. There are more people involved in this. It, it, it's not, it, it's not literally a company doing their first ever thing. Sure, sure. So um, that's again something to watch out for. So they're they're claiming that this is in manufacturing now. It has to be to come out in February. Well, and, and that's the um, one thing that's got me. Hopefully, and, no. I, and, I, and, I, and I mean, I have no dog in this race because I, I, I have not ordered one. And I'm, I'm not, not looking. That's a different conversation. But um, look, if you like it and it's going to do what you want it to do, great. But that's the one reason I think that this is actually going to come out in February. Uh, they're stating it now. I feel like it would take massive cojones to say that it's in production and, and coming in out in February if it's not. I mean, that hey, will that will end them. But, but hey, things happen in production. Things sometimes don't go smooth. They have to go back to the drawing board on a piece or two. Like, sure. So hopefully they're past that part of it where we figure out, oh, this has to be, this is off by this amount, micrometer, let's redo this part. I mean, re- you know, like- I, I feel like for people who are excited about this, to give them, you know, at least some breath of relief, I feel like they're probably past that point. If there are beta units out and they're fully assembled beta units and they, they look like it, they're in, they're not in, you know, cardboard boxes, they don't have wires Weird sticking colors. out all that. Right. They're, they look like a finished product. I think it's reasonable to assume that they are beyond that. Knocking on didn't say didn't say guaranteed said reasonable to assume. I mean, I I, I don't my, I don't want this to fail because there's tons of money that people have given to this product. Like that's where it's like I don't want it to fail. No, I want I want I want, I want, I want people, people to get, get what they put their money in for, and I that that's it. Once they once they get it, if the company goes out of business, well, that's fine. People got their product. Like then I don't care at that point. Obviously, it's bad for the investors and the team that's worked at this point. Probably you know five years probably on this at this point, probably close to five years uh, to get this out. But I think like, like Ian and I have, have, have uh, bloviated about this, this. I think the world has passed them by with this product. 
I think even two years ago they could have got away with putting this out. Now, with with how things have leaps and bounds and all these new products, there's just too many things. There's just too many options. The core unit I can see still being appealing to people who are fine with emulation over FPGA or original hardware, but but don't want to take the time to do what the Polymega is doing on, say, a laptop or something that they're hooking up to a TV. Sure. Um, then there's the price. Uh, $400 is a bit much for me at that point. I feel like I would probably just figure out how to do the emulation on my own. But I, I, like I said, I'm not, I, I really am not trying to sound too hard on it. Oh, it was called the Retro Blocks. So I thought it was yes, something else. I told you. All right, well, I thought it, I, it didn't sound right in my head for some reason. That's why they changed it. It didn't sound right to anyone. You were thinking of Roblox. That's what I mean. I was confused. It sounds too close to that. Um, but um, again, this, not that i playing CEO. If I was this company, though, what would I have done, Ian? Not even worried about the modules and just put out the disk-based unit since that's what most people really want this for anyway. And sure. focus on that. They want the Sega Saturn. For, that's the one thing people are excited about. Sega Saturn, PS1, that's what people want the solution for is, is that, since that was not an existing product. Right. All the other modules, there's 85 ways to play pre-existing forms of that, even in HD uh, version with the real media, but not the disc-based stuff. That's That was the key to me. That's where they should have threw, threw everything behind and said, fuck the modules and all that development costs for that bullshit and all the molds for that, and we'll just worry about that shit years later let's just let's just get out the main product first and establish establish the base of our consumers have that done years ago and now you roll out the modules doing it all at once was a huge i mean huge misstep that might have cost them their entire business potentially but they have the send in light gun uh as well which um which is well, their version of it, which is going to be a cool thing to have as well which I hope to see the Cinder Light Gun out on other forums and consoles. By the way, quickly, they're, they're update on their site. They're update. Update. Um, they, they redid their site. And they, 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 this is what the weirdest thing about their communication is they, they found it upon themselves to do myth-busting. We've seen rumors swirling around the state of Polymega in light of some valid retailer issues and speculations from, from pot stirrers that we've suddenly packed our bags and decided not to release Polymega despite putting years of effort into making the system the, the very best legacy games console on the market. This couldn't be further from the truth. Verdict false. The people peddling this theory on social media are the same people who have been trying to cast doubt on Polymega since day one, so no surprises there. This should not be on your website. Like Companies the, really need uh, to get over this whole we're standing against the haters shit. Like, This is not professional. It makes you look weak-minded. It makes you look like you're wasting your time uh, even responding to this stuff. Put out your fucking product. Let your product speak for itself. Yeah. That's how you build your brand. That's how you make money. Don't worry about responding to every every person that disagrees with you. Uh, that's something I, I've gotten from the Polymega team uh, when I read their updates and stuff. There's a lot of defect, deflecting and a lot of defensiveness. Just say you fucked up and it's coming. And then this is something that We've spent over $1 million on procurement manufacturing in the last month alone and are comfortably in position to deliver the first batch of 5,000 polymega. I don't care how much you spent on your manufacturing. I gave you, if I gave you money, I don't care. That's not my concern. Give me my, give me my product. Yeah, are you bragging? Are you trying to make us feel bad? You're a business. Do it. You don't whine, you don't whine about this stuff when you're developing any product, whether it's a book, whether it's a game, uh, whether it's a console get it done get it done and deliver your product ship your product put it in people's hands 
That's your only. That's your only goal at this point when it's been over two two years, almost over two years since you've had people's money on this. So that's the last thing I want to say. I hope it's a good product. I hope people enjoy this. I hope they get it. But this has been. I, I'm not going on a limb saying I believe this has been wildly mishandled. This, sure. this project. Yeah. All right, Ian. This was a strange little uh, a, a story. Uh, Zelda CDI games in the news. So this is uh, kind of neat. Um, CDI Interactive Dreams. Uh, so uh, a CDI community member, Dopley, uh, developed reimagined versions of Link the Faces of Evil and Zelda the Wand of Gamelon for PC. Uh, and those were released uh, on November 28th, so a few days ago. Um those are the two Zelda CDI games. Basically, um, Nintendo entered uh, an agreement with Philips uh, in the, what was that, early 90s um, to have some of their licenses appear on the Philips CDI, and it resulted in uh, a few games. Zelda, uh, Wand of Gamelon, Link Faces of Evil. I can't remember what the overhead uh, Zelda game was called, oh, where you also right played as uh, Princess Zelda. Uh, and then there was Hotel Mario as well was a game that was released. Um, all critically panned um, led to Nintendo really kind of clamping down and being careful with their licenses um, but so Zelda's well, Adventure was the only Zelda's one. Adventure was the only one so while the games were bad in, in panned not all of it was necessarily because of the uh, the game design. A lot of it was the fact that the CDI, if you've ever played one, was not a particularly great games console. First of all, a lot of the uh, systems didn't even come with a controller. They came with like remote. a remote control. And I've actually played uh, Link Faces of Evil on an actual CDI. My friend had one when I was in middle school, and it's miserable. With the remote, with the little oh, it's, bu- yeah. mini buttons on the yeah. side. It's so hard to play. You had a bo- they, did, they had a Gravis-style pad you can get yep. and other stuff. So, um, this uh, person, uh, Dopley, uh, using the assets that were already ripped by uh, CDI community members, um, slowly over the past four years, has remastered Faces of Evil and Wand of Gamelon, and basically <laughs> recreated the games using the original assets so they looked the same, but they added things as well. They added widescreen support, they added unlockables. Yeah, they say that it's not a one-to-one... Um, that's you know definitely not a one to one remake, but that the um, the feel and the spirit and the look are are still there. And honestly, if you were going to play these, I would say that this is probably better than playing the originals. Anyways, I want to try these. You might as well take the game that is you know what play what they wanted it to be and look at it. Um, Four years in Game Maker, I said I took him. Yeah, all all in all in their spare time. He took he taught himself game development to fulfill an in joke between friends. Wow. So uh, Doppler continues. Due to the nature of the titles, I don't intend on releasing any future updates. These are the final games. You can read more about everything, and they give a link. Um, they run a Discord if you want to support them. Uh, he thought about doing Hotel Mario, but the assets haven't been completely ripped. And frankly, he wants to get on to doing. Uh, something else do something that nintendo hopefully or or, or won't come after you for you, you developed your game making skills make your an original game now you, you learn the skills how about you make like a spiritual make a spiritual sequel but it's not zelda themed but it has that goofy fucking style right you know like you know 
So it looks cool, and I actually do plan on playing these at some point. Like I said, I, I always thought that the the idea for the games wasn't awful, uh, but they, they just were executed poorly. So I wouldn't mind going through and at least just seeing all the art assets and whatnot that was used. Um, Nintendo hasn't C&D'd this yet. No. And Which makes me believe that maybe they're, 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 Phillips is the granddaddy uh, to, 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 do, to do this where it's really their responsibility to do it. Well, and I mean, it's already out, so there's nothing to, you know, you can't stop making it. Um, uh, an update from today, December 1st. Dopley is no longer hosting the files. They have taken them down. They wanted to stress ah. that it is a free, not-for-profit endeavor. It's on archive. And it was mostly a learning exercise. As such, I'm removing the game from download. I thank everyone for the support and kind words. However, they are still backed up on archive. So you can get them. Nintendo doesn't know about this, but really it's probably a sort of thing where, well, it's really Phillips publishing it, so it's up to them. Yeah. Nintendo's like, well, this isn't really technically our game. You like, you know, we had a license deal that going back to, you know, the, the CD system, which, which fell apart, and so it's like one of those weird things. Well, I'm sure Phillips is like, hey, well, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, these are really cool. If you have any interest in checking them out, you should probably do so sooner than later. Sure, but at this point, they're out there. God, from scratch with the assets. God. Yeah, very cool. I, I wonder if the overhead the overhead game, uh, Zelda's Adventure, goes for several hundred dollars now. That, to me, is probably the, the one that people want to play because that's probably the closest thing to a playable game. I wonder if that's even worth redoing or it's like, well, who, that's not the one that people talk about. They talk about these... I feel like it's the ones. closest thing to a, a playable game, but from what I read, it's the least playable of all of them. Oh, it's, really? It's absolutely abysmal. It doesn't have the charm of the goofy cutscenes, maybe? Yeah. As much as the other ones? But it's, I, I'm surprised it's going for several hundred. You used to be able to get most... Well, that one was always rarer than the other two. Because mm-hmm. uh, that one came out, I think, a little bit later. At that point, fucking CDI was deader than dead uh, at that point in the mid-90s. But, um, yeah, there's always been this cult falling for these... Uh, well, well, it's really these three games, if you want to say fourth, uh, with Zelda's Adventure. Re- really, these three goofy-ass games, including Hotel Mario. Sort of like the... It's, it's like the bizarro Nintendo universe that, you know will be the very last time that Nintendo ever licenses out their, their IP to anyone to make a game without having control over it like that. It's, I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, they've only recently started doing that. Um, they did that with like uh, with um, Cadence of Hyrule, the Zelda rhythm game. They, they licensed that out to a different company. Yeah, but I'm sure they have... I'm sure they had far more that. control, sure. This, this they obviously were hands-off and were probably horrified by yeah. the results of this at the time. But we're just like, okay, well, we got the we got the Super Nintendo. We're coming out with the N64. No one knows about the CDI, so let's not even talk... Like, like, don't even talk about these games. Like, let's not even talk about this shit. You know, I mean, how many Zelda's adventures do they think they actually sold? I mean, there's not many on eBay. So, I didn't know anyone even owned the CDI back in the day. Did you? Yeah, like I said, one person. Just one person? That's where I played the... Oh, back then, not not recently. Back in the 90s. Back in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, Oh, like No, I said, when I was in middle school, like, yeah, it was current. It was... uh, And they never touched it. I had known the person and hung out with them regularly for like a year, and one day I noticed they had a CDI, and we hooked it up, and I played it for... He was like, you're not going to play this for more than five minutes, and sure enough, I tried, and it was just... Like, playing it with that remote was miserable. Ian... We have a Patreon. We do. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, how do you access it? Go to patreon.com slash CU podcast. And oh boy, the things you can access, uh, the full video podcast 
goes up there. I do a writing about once a week. We just posted one uh, for well this past week. Um, we uh, I do a monthly hangout. This month's hangout was a lot of fun, and uh, we do a poll topic every week that you can vote on, and we will discuss it. All right, in third place, brought back the two good ones. They're going to stay. I might just one week to say don't vote on this one and vote. On two. Besides Super Mario Thirty Five, what retro games could make good battle royale games? Twenty two percent and twenty at twenty four percent second place. They're always like right next to each other. What do you miss most about gaming conventions? That would be such a good topic, people. I'm not trying to push you, but that'd be a good topic. And in first place, the new topic. What are your least favorite popular arcade games? So arcade games that were popular that you did not like, Ian. I fucking hate Space Invaders. I hate Space Invaders. I can't stand Space Invaders. The original Space Invaders. The first Space Invaders. It's it is it's, it's slow. Asteroids. It's slow. It's stressful. Uh, I understand why it was important. I understand why it took the world by storm. But any other space shooter from that era plays better and is more exciting. I love the look of the Space Invaders. I love all that. Like, But Galaxian plays far better than oh, Space Invaders. Galaxian is like um, leagues ahead, and that only came out, uh, what, a year later? And yeah. Leagues ahead. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, I cannot get into Space Invaders. It's the- important. Yes. 78, we're talking about, like, we got past... This is early, early video games in arcades, so you needed Space Invaders. You needed that game. Otherwise, it was just, like, Midway's, like, gunfight that was out there. Like, they were talking simple-ass shit in the late 70s, up to, like, 79. And it, the simplicity is fine. I just, I really hate the whole they land on the ground and the game is over. It's, uh, I, honestly, it's a it, it's a terrifying scene to me. <laughs> oh, they go fast yeah, and, hit the, and then hit, hit the, the ground. ground. That, that's actually, like, kind of frightening to me. Um, it's stressful. So part of it is just I don't like the stress involved, but I don't like it as a game mechanic. Kill me or, like, give me one death condition, not two death conditions. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about well, that. Well, obviously we give it slack because it's 78. Sure. Right? It's so old. And there wasn't really a game like that. But um, and there have been plenty of, like, Space Invader updates and upgrades since then that are great. I loved the Space Invader Extreme games. Like, Space... They, they took that property and they, made They it. extended it. They extended it, and they... Yeah. Yes. And they made great stuff with it. But, yeah, original Space Invaders... I, I, I Some people still talk about how they love it. I don't like to go back to the original Space Invaders at all. Um, another I, game I don't like... I've got... Well, real quick. That was on my list. My short list as well. Oh, okay. Because... While you love the you love the cabinet, it's a beautiful cabinet. It's a historic game, uh, one of the most important games ever, Norm, in video game history. It's on the list, maybe not maybe not number one, but it gets to that point where yeah, I can get past two, maybe three stages. It's it's designed to like. There's no way anyone with with even a decent proficiency can get far in Space Invaders. It's designed just to take your quarters. It gets to that point where it's just. It gets too fast. You have one shot at a time. One shot. And if you miss a couple, it's like you're way behind. And once you get to that point where they get super fast, you're done. The game's over. You'll lose all your lives in like a second. Yeah. If you built them up. It's just, it's just a, at the time, obviously important, revolutionary at the time, but not a well-designed game even a year or so later. It's not a well-designed game. Sorry, what's your next one? But my other one is Asteroids. I really don't care okay, for that's asteroids. What I'll fight you about. Really don't care for <laughs> asteroids. Um, it's not that I think it's a bad game. I just I've never been able to get into any sort of groove on asteroids. I've never found myself craving playing asteroids. Um, I, I understand the appeal of it. 
Uh, I like vector graphics, even black and white. It's a nice, simple-looking game. Everything about Asteroids, you know, on paper, it comes together and it looks great. I just, I don't personally find Asteroids particularly fun. I am not a fan of Asteroids. I'm surprised. I really think that you there's a lot more going on to that. The control scheme is really nice once you get once you get used to it. Tons of stuff going on. Yeah. I don't think it, I, 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 I don't di- I don't dislike it because I think it's overly simple or overly complicated. It's just never clicked with me. I've never clicked with Asteroids. I, it clicked with me. That's like the one early pre 1980 video game that clicked with me. It was always Asteroids for some reason. That's the one where I was like, I love the control scheme. It's it's one of those easy to learn, hard to master games. Sure. Hey, you just spin around and shoot Asteroids, but you really got to get moving. And get away from those spaceships. Those spaceships AI is actually pretty good for those little guys. They shoot at you, and they're like hard to. Yeah, I, I really. As I grew older, I, I appreciated asteroids more and more, and, and surprisingly more and more as, as as I got older. There, that one to me, I hate to say it, it held up uh, to me. Any other ones? Or those are the big ones. Those list? are the big two that I could think of immediately. No, no mention of Double Dragon, huh? Surprising oh. <laughs> God, that's right. No, I mean, uh-huh. I, I was thinking uh-huh. earlier, but yeah, I mean, we've already been down that road before. I fucking hate the original Double Dragon. I think it's uh-huh. dog shit. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. My list. Um, well, I did have Space Invaders on the list. Um, I almost said the original Pac-Man, but I always enjoyed Pac-Man. I just sucked at it when I was small. I was like, yeah, I, I barely get past the first stage. It's fair. It's a, it's a fair stage. You gotta be But I don't, I don't think anyone... I don't think anyone who's like, oh, I love Pac-Man is really necessarily thinking the original Pac-Man. As much as I hate to say it, I think a lot of people go, well, no, I'd, I'd rather play Ms. Pac-Man. Um, Pac-Man's fun. I will drop a quarter in when I go to an arcade and see it, and I, I, I like the speed. It's a fun game, but I don't... I don't... I don't... I don't pine for Pac-Man. Versus Miss, even, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a, like almost a perfect sequel there. All right. Uh, here's the here's the ones that two are gonna piss off Ian, uh, Dragon's Lair, um, never liked it. Uh, I appreciate the artwork, it, Quarter Eater. I don't like any I don't like any game where you have to learn how to play it and it's impossible to get past it the first time you play it, uh, even theoretically. Basically, um, it's just never liked it. Oh, uh, it's it, a, it's an awful game. I, I mean, play, I, I tried playing it as a kid. I mean, I put in the fifty cents and. I can maybe get two or three moves in. I was just like, no, this isn't. I, I, I understand why it was popular for that time, but you know. it, it's an awful game. And I think had I grown up in an era where I, because I mean, I remember being at the arcades, but where I had the money to play it more often, I probably would have hated it. Had I grown up like, but oh yeah, I can understand it was a, it was an event. I was too young to be there when it first came out. I do I was, love the look. I love Don yeah. Bluth. I love Don Bluth animation. And I think a lot of my enjoyment of Dragon's Lair has now come from the fact that there are tons of home releases of it and I can sit there and actually have fun with it now without it costing me a ton of money figuring out all the inputs, memorizing it, and I do have fun assembling a, a good run. But it's not a ga- it's not fun to me in the way other video games are. No. It's the original quick time event thing. Yeah. Just, oh, cl- click that, click that, click that. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's not a game, really. I mean, it's a game, but not in the true sense. Alright, the one Ian's gonna punch me for, uh, Burger Time Can Eat Me. Um, Never understood the appeal. I think it's more about the characters and the theme versus the actual gameplay. The actual gameplay um, is not good to me at all. Um, I, I, I like to like to think I'm a decent video game player. I cannot wrap my head around strategies in Burger Time easily. Um, I, I don't think I think they pursue too quickly the enemies. You don't get enough pepper. 
um, and there's just it's just it's just too difficult. What is your uh, what is your primary mode of experience with Burger Time? Primary mode. I did play in the arcade a little bit from what I remember, but mostly mostly probably the NES version. The NES version of Burger Time is notoriously known for being dog shit. Okay. It's just garbage. Um, uh, that said, uh, my love of Burger Time does not stem necessarily from the arcade game itself. It stems from the nearly perfect Game Boy version that adds just enough, changes the AI, fucks with the levels just it, enough it, to it, make okay. it... It tinkers with it to make it a better game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. My love of Burger Time is never... I mean, the, the Nintendo version of Burger Time is fucking awful. It's, All right. It's, like, unplayably bad. All right. I remember the marathon last time. You said, "Only have a track of this," and you had problems. With, I think even on the second stage with it. I'm like, "Well, this is not making your case for Burger." No, time. it's it's just a, uh, it's not a it's a very bad version. Um, I, I, hell, I'll, I'll try I'll try the Game Boy version, Ian, for you. I'll, I'll get, Burger Time Deluxe is I'll, wonderful. Um, I'll get out my GBASP and I'll try it out uh, for that. That's on my list. Uh, now I just lost the other one thinking about Burger Time. Shit. Uh, what was the one I just I just fu- I fucking uh, lost in my head? Uh, damn it! Um, the one I hated back then, I've grown to love it. I could not back in the day play Paperboy to save my freaking life with with those controls. Now I'm good at it. Now I'm better than I I thought I'd be using the handlebar controls. Back when I was five and six, oh boy, I don't think I could make it five houses deep uh, in that game. But maybe a little more dexterity as I'm older. Um, that's one that I hated back then, but I grew to love, uh, for sure. This is one that might be controversial, and I don't care. This is one that, to me, works, at least to me, better in theory than practice. I'm not a, the biggest fan of Qbert. Um, I, 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 I like it for what it is. I do not think... Um, I think it's more about the theme and the characters versus the gameplay that people are in love with with that. Uh, or maybe I just want the fact that uh, it, it ramps up the difficulty pretty quickly, Whereby I say that the third or fourth stage, you're you're usually in trouble uh, by that point. I'm not saying it's a terrible game for me. It never clicked with me the way like Astro's never clicked with you. I, I I enjoyed a little bit, but never like well, this is one of the greatest arcade games ever. I'm like, eh. It's a game I've always wanted to get into because I like the look, eh. I like the characters, I like the cabinet, I like the weird fucking joystick, I like the knocker sound. sound. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a really cool looking game, but I never got into it. My friends, uh, growing up, my my best friend's mom was. Very, very into uh, Qbert. She would always play the NES version, um, and she'd play the Super Nintendo version a lot. And she was really good at it. Like she was one of those people who could just get going on a game of Qbert and just go and go and go and go. Um, and I'd always try to pick up something from her while like watching her play. I just, yeah, I really never. And then as soon as they start introducing the characters that bounce around and change the color back, oh, forget it. Forget it. No, at that, uh, at that yeah. point, I just say, no, it's, I'm done, because I'm annoyed. It's just too difficult at that point. It's, it's bad enough trying to stay away from everyone. Now you're making it, like, a, a chore just to So I can play. kind of agree. I, I, um, I'm not a huge Qbert fan. Uh, the, the other one that I probably changed my changed my mind on, um, maybe because it was too complicated at the time, Defender slash Stargate. Um, Love that game. Too complicated. Those controls were too complicated for me. I remember as a kid... So I got destroyed instantly. Now I love, I more love that uh, game versus. So that one improved. For Stargate me. in particular, I I, I love. Um, it's difficult, 
but you can get good at it if you master the control scheme. You, you can get it. You can get into it whether it use the. It's button. a it's a rush to play too. The sense of speed when you're zipping around in that game. Is, oh yeah, is, is is up there. Like uh, everything just feels like sound design is fantastic. Everything is visuals. Yeah. Cl- it all yeah. super well tuned in that game. Well well designed game. Whether you do the, the the button version or the little joystick version, go left and right. I think they had two control schemes, right? Uh, depending upon the version. Um, that's one that grew on me. Now it's turning into ones that more grew on me. A lot of it's when you get older, you get better at these games. When you're six and seven, it's hard to play Stargate. Like, you'll get destroyed at it. Sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah, that, that's my uh, short list. I'm looking at this this list of top 50 arcade games, and most of them, I, I, I enjoy most of these. Uh, for sure. There's not ones where I said, no, I hated that game, or I didn't enjoy that on here. They put the original Street Fighter on this list. They should not have. That's not a good game, the original Street Fighter at all. But that was never a popular uh, arcade game at least here they put the original punch out in here that's a tough game i wouldn't i wouldn't say i hated that game it's a tough game though uh the original punch out uh for sure any from the 90s that come to mind real quick like the, the 90s go past the classic golden age into the called the bronze age almost where they were popular like did you were you not a fan of mortal Kombat? i was not i, I mean i i am a fa- i am a fan of mortal Kombat these days I, I i think they really kind of the the lore is uh intensely thick and dumb and tough to follow um the story modes and all of the recent console games have been a you know a hoot to play through uh, i think the uh Combat has Combat? improved Combat. tremendously. I, I really like Mortal Kombat now. I did not care for Mortal Kombat. I did not like Mortal Kombat 1. Mortal Kombat 2 appealed to me a little bit, and then Mortal Kombat 3 came out and added the run button, and There's, I went yes. right back to hating it. So, of the... of the And Mortal Kombat 4, I couldn't stand. So, of the four Mortal Kombats that came out in the 90s, um, the only one that I liked even a little bit was Mortal Kombat 2. Two perfected it. Three broke the fucking design. They perfected in two. Yeah, there was no need for the run combos. That w- that became the entire gameplay at that point. The game was garbage. Yeah, when you do combos that take off sixty percent of your health in one, like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Even Killer Instinct doesn't do that on, on, on the combos. Uh, for God's sake, uh, yeah, it was, it was too much. It was too much combo craziness in the mid nineties at that point. Where it was like, let's let's take a take a freaking step back here. Uh, let's let's do that. The only nineties game I can think for me that I, I hated that was popular. Man, there wasn't a lot of popular ones I didn't play. I liked NBA Jam. I love Mortal Kombat. I love Street Fighter stuff, uh, obviously. I love Daytona. I love all the racing games. I love Cruising USA. That's a tougher one. Once you got to the, once you got to the 90s, there was a lot less uh, arcade games in general overall versus what there were in the 80s, obviously. But it, it, it distilled down into, well, these are all sort of, you know, these all make money. So they're mostly fun at that point. Yeah. I will say I do like uh, you know the, the Sega Time Machine game. I do like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Up. That's what most people... Hey, I love that game. All right, it's time, Ian, for some voicemails. Oh, are we? We're going to do some voicemails here. All right. Uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast, and uh, you can get to some uh, voicemails. You can you can click on your phone and, and leave, us, uh, leave us a ditty if you want. Um... We'll go through some. Well, you want to end the podcast this this soon? Yeah, wait, no, we're almost at two hours. We're at one forty. We got we got ten minutes here. This is from good old Zappa Video. Let's see if this is gonna work. Hey, dude, Zappa Video here. I've got a question mostly for Pat. Oh. Pat, it's about the video game years series. Oh which no. I think is real great, but I know that the video game years sapped your will to live. About as much as writing the certain NES guidebook. 
But uh, the series doesn't even get into the 1990s, a decade chock full of innovation and amazing games. So my question is, would there be any way to get a 1990s video game year series? What would it take? Would it be a matter of a million dollars, millions of dollars, if you don't even want to touch it, assuming things could be worked out with other co-producers? Would it involve handing over the reins to someone else to produce? What cosmetic surgery or Dr. Frankensteining would it take? Jeez, uh, it's getting desperate. A 90s video game years <laughs> series or a game series in the style of the video game year series happen. Pat, Ian, keep fighting the good fight. I love you, Zappa. I love your Tales from the Game Store intro. Got to keep that under under a minute, buddy. But anyway, okay. So, so the video game years, in terms of what it would take, uh, it would take um, probably at least a, a few hundred thousand dollars uh, for proper production. Uh, proper people working on it, getting paid properly, editors, uh, people to, to go around and interview people. But I think I think the video game years was was purely a product of his time. We're talking. We started producing that damn thing nine years ago. It was like 2011. We were also um, younger and had more time. Yes, I still had a day job, so it's like I don't have to worry about my own time making money. Let's do this on the side. You know, at the time, obviously things have changed a lot. Um. Like, well, I quit my day job almost eight, oh, eight years ago. It was 2012. Jesus Christ. But um, when, we, when we first started, there was still, that, that, it was a hobby still. We would, we would go to MAGFest and hang out, all of us. I was involved with helping run RetroWare for like a year and a half, two years at, at, at the peak in like 2012-ish to 13. Um, I don't think it can, it can happen again today. I just can't. It was so much time sacrifice and a time sink for so many people. The editors were paid, but not to scale. CG was paid it was cheap could not be done to scale and plus at this point in time we talked we talk about the the, the the um the arcade documentary uh um arcade dreams there's so many better video game uh productions being done for the history of video games i'm not, I'm not saying video game years didn't start it but when the video game years was doing it there wasn't a huge amount else out there right uh, but now the past five six years there's been so many more things that have come thankfully smaller documentaries about game companies themselves. There's like, the Tony Hawk documentary. We even talk about the Midway documentary. Insert Corner just came out. Uh, Netflix high score. There are so many more avenues now that the video game years, if we did it that exact way again, it would seem dated. And it, the green screen sort of VH1 thing is passe and it would look cheap. That's the bottom line. I wouldn't want to do a show of that quality again. Uh, I just personally wouldn't. I, I've, I've, I've moved on from that. So, uh, Next question. Hey guys, I'm here with your voice what? message of oh. the week, week, week. Oh. Um, I love the show. Thank you guys for providing such good content. And I would like to ask, uh, what is your favorite stealth game? Um, honestly, I don't play a lot of stealth games, but the first Metal Gear Solid was fantastic. I played a little bit of that. I really enjoyed the first Metal Gear Solid. I thought it was wonderful. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2 is supposedly great, but I just I don't know that that's necessarily a genre for me. I'm a high-stress, high-anxiety individual. Uh, people who uh, watched me play uh, Metal Gear Solid back in the day can attest to my shrieking and yelping and throwing of the controller up in the air uh, whenever the uh, alert would play that you know would tell me that a guard had seen me. Loved the game, um, but have never really gone out of my way to play a stealth-specific game afterwards. That said, 
whenever I play um, an Elder Scrolls game like Skyrim or Oblivion, I usually tend to go for the stealth bow and arrow character build, and I have a lot of fun doing that. But Skyrim and stuff like that is built to, you know, you can have any, you can play any sort of character you want. Uh, a game that is purely focused on stealth, yeah, I haven't really played a whole lot. You know what game I haven't thought of until this question that I played? Hmm. On the PC Commandos. Remember hmm. that game? I do not. It was an overhead game. You had um, one or multiple guys. It's a World War II game, I believe. And while there was action, you had to sneak around and you had to, like, hide from the Germans or knife them and plan things to blow up things and it was like you control different characters it was there was a series you hmm. ever heard of Commandos? no late 90s never played it it was really fun I remember playing a, a decent amount of the first game I think they had uh, a couple of sequels let me look that up real quick Commandos 98 came out yep I had that not saying I had a legal version of the game but I did have that I played that in college um Came out on PS2. Uh, the sequel came out on PS2 and Xbox. The original Behind Enemy Lines, ninety-eight. Yep. Real-time tactics. Yep. It was like overhead view. You walked around. You would hide behind things and things like that. Um, you could you could fight, but if you fought, you'd probably get your ass killed. Good game. Uh, and then of course, rescue the embassy mission. Of course. All right. Next question. So growing up, I played uh, Legos. Uh, did you like Castle, Town, or Space? Thanks. Two consoles too late here. Two consoles too late? That was from Jackson. Uh, I had the Castle system. Um, I was Hey, when we were at Mac and Mary Day, we had three choices for Lego. And uh, yeah, the Castle system, and it was great. I love the Castle system. I love the little weapons, the archery, all the little horses. There was a little catapult I put together that actually kind of worked with the little little, little yellow pegs you throw them. It was, it was fantastic. I was also a castle system child. Because it was action-based. There's space guys. There was no monsters to fight. With the castle, you can fight. I I had the little gray castle, and I had the big black castle. We're talking late late 80s. We're talking 88 about. That's when I had them. 89. And then, yeah, if I was a kid nowadays, though, with Lego, with all the different options, holy shit, I'd go nuts. Yeah. Star Wars Lego, I would go insane with that stuff. Or Lord of the Rings. Hi, uh, this is Chris from Illinois. I've been listening to the podcast since I was way too young, too, because I was a child who had access to the internet. But uh, recently, I've been binging a whole bunch of the Mega Man games, and I just finished the classic series, and it's got me thinking, do you guys think that a cheaper game that just has a bunch of stuff that there's no way you're going to get it on your first try, when you add safe states into it, can actually become a better experience? Because everybody always talks about how it makes things too easy, but... Is it really more of a challenge if it's just more time taken away from you? And can something that is super over-the-top and unrealistic for the player to do become a fun thing once you only have to do it one time and never again? Love the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Keep doing what you're doing. Peace. Thanks, Chris. I, I don't know when you start listening to podcasts, but wow, you sound like a 30-year-old. Unless you're like 19. <laughs> like, oh, when I was a kid. I was like, how, how old am I? Um yeah, we talked about this before. It's all about what you want to get out of it. That whole that whole thing that that meme about all oh, you cheated at the game, you earned nothing. It's like a game is is your own personal experience. There's no set way to play, you know, most video games, especially nowadays. And it's all about people's time and enjoyment. Where we're way past the, the, the Nintendo hard era, where you might play only that one game that one month, or that's the one game you're stuck with for your birthday. So you better learn how to get good at that game. 
you have so many options nowadays. There's no advantage for most of these games to be ass hardware. You know, you, well, if you die, you go an hour back. I yeah, mean, I, I still like the extreme challenge of very hard platforming, even if a little bit of it, I, I'd prefer to kind of have a shot at it the first go, but even if I have to learn a little something in a stage, that's fine. But I, I like how what, what it's become. Um, starting with games like Super Meat Boy with very hard levels, yeah. but they're very short, sure. so that every time you die, you it doesn't feel insurmountable to try again. And when you beat that level, you don't have to go back to it. Everything is broken up into much more manageable pieces. Um, a game that I really like by Terry Kavanaugh, VVVVV, I think, is the all the Vs. Um, that one has lots of save st- uh, lots of checkpoints. So there's always a checkpoint before a particularly challenging level. There's even a game I was playing recently, and now I can't remember the name of it, and I wish I could, um, that basically let you place your own checkpoints. You could only have like one or two, but you could place the checkpoint before a spot okay. that you were having trouble with. And I think I even saw a game that I have not played recently where one of the mechanics was like beating up enemies, grinding for loot, and then you could use the money to build yourself checkpoints before difficult areas. So all of these are better than the, you know, um, very long levels with very few checkpoints thing. I think using the save states and getting by, I think, yeah, there's still a lot of fun to be had in a game like that. This is from Brent. Hey, Pat, uh, this is Brent from Whippany in your home state of New Jersey. Whippany. I just wanted to give you a quick update on what's been going on here. Um, Marijuana has just been legalized, so hopefully those edibles will make the holidays with your family a bit more bearable. Well, thanks, Brent. Real quick, uh, they're not in in New Jersey anymore, but thanks. Uh, The Friendlies in Metuchen is still open, (laughs) although it's not looking good through COVID. Uh, I got ice cream at the Friendlies near me recently, but nobody's eating inside. Uh, the parkway and the turnpike tolls just went up. The, the $0.50 cent tolls are going up to $0.65, cents, so watch out for that. And uh, there's a new digital press store in Springfield, New Jersey, oh. that you should check out next time you come back to visit. Oh, Springfield. Uh, I hope okay. you and Ian have a wonderful upcoming Thanksgiving, and uh, oh. thanks for the consistently funny and enjoyable podcast. Thanks, Brett. Next time, just, just give me a call. It's funny, like he's a Jersey buddy updating me. <laughs> Springfield's a nice town. Springfield is a very underrated Jersey town. Very nice. Uh, new digital press there, yeah. Nice, it's finally opening. Um, good to hear about the, the friendlies uh, hanging in there. Yeah, oh, that's good. I'm familiar with Metuchen. Uh, g- good to hear that. Uh, and the tolls going up. I'm not shocked. New Jersey is one of the most corrupt states. Those tolls were supposed to go towards tons of things, and now it's just a money sink of billions of dollars a year of fucking toll money. I'm not shocked they're raising it. When, when I was a kid, it started to be 25 cents. Then it was annoying to, get, to go to 35 cents because now you need a, a fucking quarter and a dime or two nickels. Just a quarter, just a quarter. Then it went up to fifty cents, like you, like you said, sixty-five cents. And when you go down the shore, Ian, it's three one way okay. going down the shore. All right, for like for like a, a fifty-minute drive. Hmm. It's not like one an hour. It's like one every twenty-five minutes, twenty minutes. Sorry. What's this? What's this one? Hey there, Pat. Ah. This is Bart over in fabulous Las Vegas. And a question: Is the cartography corner at Luna still open? And if so, can we send you guys maps? Uh, I I would love more maps. The cartography corner uh, is not as robust as it once was. That pirate's map. Um, Yeah, not as robust as it once was. I I do miss the cartography corner. Uh, We still have a couple maps hanging. Um, Are the uh, the segment of the mirror that uh, we have taken over at the La Mesa store for decorating is adorned with various Pikachu cards, pictures of. Idris Elba. Um, I, I hung a picture of Idris Elba. Okay. He's a handsome man. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, by all means, send a map. I'd, I'd love to give it a home. Hey, guys. My name is Nick, and I wanted to ask, do either of you enjoy concerts? And what was the best concert you've ever been to? Thank he you. loves concerts. Thanks. I don't, for the most part. Uh, I love concerts. Uh, it's It's a tough call, but probably the best concert I ever saw was... Uh, Daft Punk in 2006. Um, oh, that would be fun. They hadn't done any. They hadn't done any live shows in quite some time, and this and uh, the, I was in San Diego at the time, and they were doing uh, day three of Coachella. So that was back when you could still buy just a day pass to Coachella. And um, my friend at the time and I uh, drove up to see them and this was uh, anyone who who pays attention to Daft Punk at all probably remembers all the hullabaloo about their live sets from uh, the 2007 era Um, they used a huge pyramid uh, and a lot of lighting and they just they put on a fantastic show a lot of people said it was one of the best stage shows they've ever seen Um, this was the first time they had ever done that no one there knew anything about what they were doing Um, they were unknown it was well, More Daft known. Punk was known. The 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 show that they oh, were the going, show they, were doing. they were doing was completely unknown. So no one had any idea no. as to what the stage was going to look like, and the crowd was um, absolutely fucking wild for it. So yeah, that was probably the best show I've ever seen. All right, we'll do a couple more here. This I just lost the page. What, what happened to it? Uh, which one we just did? We just did Nick. Hey guys, it's a long time listener. Name's Louis from the UK. Um, literally watching a show right now. Uh, just wanted to ask: Is has Vonnie or Vonnie? Forgive me if I am uh, saying it wrong. Um, uh, has she ever been on the show? And also, has there ever been a recording uh, or rather a walkthrough of the Lunar Store? Um, just uh, if it has, great. Uh, I'll try and find it. If not. I was just wondering if those two things are ever going to be a possibility, just because we hear a lot about it, and, and uh, Vonnie as well. And it'd just be nice to get a little more insight. Cheers, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Louie. Love the accent. God, this, your mic was popping. Holy crap. Um, so we've never done a... I, I, I have posted brief walkthroughs of Luna, I think, on my Twitter account before, but I don't think there's anything posted online that I could direct you to, uh, that, that I could point you at, that you could go check out. Caltron 6-in-1 video. But uh, I, video was, I was going to say, for the original store, the Caltron 6-in-1 <laughs> video does show some of the interior, and my brief, brief cameo in the Christmas episode from two years ago um has uh, a shot of me in the uh Chula Vista store. You're 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 not remembering the anticipation episode. Well, I was on Voltaire Street. I I, I shot in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, there was that one too. Um I don't think the old Newport address uh has anything online and I don't think um Oh, no, that is a Newport. That's right. The anticipation one was on Newport. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you through yeah. Time Lord at me? That's right. So the Newport location, store. but yeah, I don't think we ever recorded anything at the uh, the what we would call the main location, the La Mesa store. Uh, Vonnie's never been on the podcast. Um, we've never had any guests on this podcast, but she kind of work that out. Uh, she has done. Um, she's been part of the NES Marathon multiple years, so uh, she's part of a few. Yeah, she's been yeah. part of a few. All right, got one or two more here. Hey guys, just want to share a quick story uh, with Alex Trebek just passing away. 
Uh, my dad watched Jeopardy every single night, and my brother and I were playing Nintendo, playing Legend of Zelda, and he wanted us to turn it off, which normally, just turn it off, no problem, but Legend of Zelda, you gotta die, gotta hold the reset in power so you don't lose your game. But we had full 16 hearts and a blue ring, and it was not going quickly, and Jeopardy was starting, so my dad unplugged the Nintendo, <laughs> and we lost our game right before we were going to level 9. Oh boy, tough times, but I love Jeopardy too, so, you know, I got over it. All right, thanks. Jeez, Peter, pause the game and just let him turn the station yeah, off and let him change the channel. Take the RF out. That's the uh, secret you got to learn. Leave the power uh, going there on there. God, that's rough. That's rough. You, you want to end it there? Yeah, let's end it there. I'll we'll end, we'll end it there. Uh, that's a rough story. I, I thought it was going to be like, well, we met Alex Trebek and he was the nicest guy. Yeah. No, my dad fucked me over on my <laughs> Legend of Zelda game. Man. At least you didn't throw out your Marky Stevens clothes. Oh, that's it for the podcast. Thanks so much. Again, we got the we got the sale going on just today. We're going to end it fifteen percent off using code CyberTurkey at ultimatenintendo.com. Get get your wares for the holidays with the savings, and we're going to do the NES marathon at ultimatenintendo.com Saturday, December twelfth. God willing, right, we can get through it and do that. It'll be a fun time. That's it for the podcast. Ian. Toodle doos. See you later. <laughs>